Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. It's always that one time you need a defense attorney and you just don't know who to call, right? Well, I'm telling you, Manny Aurora, the Aurora Law Firm, he's the best in the business when it comes to a defense attorney. And he's a former prosecutor, so he knows the other side of the courtroom. Located in Atlanta, Georgia, but practices nationwide, has handled litigation in over 19 different states. If you need Manny, theauroralawfirm.com, theauroralawfirm.com. He stops by the show twice a month. Got any questions? Leave it on our hotline, 404-369-3825, or on our social media off podcastthebs.com. How would you like your monthly mortgage payment taken care of for all of 2023? Well, after Stockton Mortgage's Dave Flashner's tip of the day, you'll find out. When getting a mortgage, make sure you pick the right team. I've had numerous people come to me after online lenders don't do what they promise. When you close your home loan purchase or refinance with Stockton Mortgage, you'll be automatically entered into a mortgage-free sweepstakes. One prize winner will be chosen to have Stockton Mortgage cover their monthly mortgage payment up to $2,500 per month in 2023. A home loan or refinance might be one of the most important transactions you'll ever make in your life. Go with someone that's reliable, knowledgeable, trustworthy, and always on call. Dave Flashner, Stockton Mortgage, 561-951-0984. That's 561-951-0984. Stockton.com slash Dave dash Flashner. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs an ear, and that's why Dr. David Markwell and Ridgeline Counseling are the best at what they do. Ten different therapists who work with Dr. David Markwell at Ridgeline Counseling. If you're in the Georgia area, East Cobb, Marietta, near the Square in McKaysville, right outside of Blue Ridge. And they assist with a wide variety of behavioral health issues like anxiety, depression, relationship issues, parenting issues, trauma, substance use issues, etc., offering virtual sessions if you can't get to the georgia stops the website markwelltherapy.com again markwelltherapy.com raise your hand if you want any more of these in your life productivity energy focus well bam magic mind can do that with these delicious little green productivity shots each and every morning you take one and you start your day with a boost possibly replacing those four cups of coffee that you have before noon be more productive more focused get more done in less time sleep better have less stress and anxiety be more creative so on and so forth one of the ingredients in magic mind is l-theanine helps increase focus and attention now l-theanine binds with the caffeine molecules in matcha and prevents the full blocking of receptors reducing or dissolving the caffeine crash and jitters you feel it's nature's time-released caffeine. So take advantage of this opportunity right now. 40% off your subscription. This is limited time opportunity. Magicmind.co backslash the BS. M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D dot C-O backslash the BS. Put promo code the BS20 and get your 40% off your subscription. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. <laughs> Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. And by God, 
This is the BS. Alright, here it is, episode 79 of the BS. Thanks for being here. My name is Jason Bailey in the Golden Scissors Studio. Beautiful Roswell, Georgia, sponsored by Stockton Mortgage. That would be Dave the Flash Flashner. Looking for a home loan? Maybe a refinance? Reach out to him. 561-951-0984. Stockton.com slash Dave dash Flashner. Nader Tater Vader, not in Mexico, not traveling anywhere in Mexico, but now comes to us live, in person, in color, in his high school bedroom in Iowa. <laughs> Hello, fellow patriots. <laughs> Hello, everybody in middle America. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Just sitting here eating corn and enjoying my folks. That's all I'm doing here in Iowa. Don't pay me no attention, but I'll help you cross the street. <laughs> There's uh, Brandon Thrasher in the Zelensky Studios there in Noonan, Georgia. Hello, Brandon. Hey there, hello. What up? Yeah. Uh, so uh, we got to talk about your your bedroom here just a little bit because it it looks like for the most part it's how it was left. Oh yes, yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, pretty much. Uh, other than some of the stuff on the wall, obviously I had like some Britney Spears posters and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, actually here, let me show you, send you this. Uh, but my mom photo. took them down because after who knew after five years, semen just eats right through the paper. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's different stuff on the wall, but over where I'm sitting at is where I used to study and it still has all of my ribbons and trophies and medals and it actually has some of my, um, corsages from my high school dances still. <laughs> oh my God. You have a, a, a shrine, um, that's in front of you kind of like in meet the parents where, where they, yeah. they have the like eighth and ninth place ribbon <laughs> shrine. I'm not saying yours is eighth and ninth place, but it's a, you've got all your, your, it's on a cork board and he's got lights that come down a little trophy case, a little, what are all those wrestling trophies? I yeah. Guess? Yeah. Yeah. I got wrestling trophies and soccer medals and ribbons and stuff. Yeah. They, I mean, even in the drawers, if you open them up, it's like a, it's like a museum. It's like I never left. It's Did, great. There's still a, a bottle of lotion over here. <laughs> it looks like it. It, 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 may, it looks like you're on like a movie set. It's, everything's all old school furniture, everything. Yep. Oh. Yep, yep, yeah. It's the old, uh, you know, chunky furniture because uh, mm. it had to fit in, like you know, the box television and everything like that. <laughs> is, that a, is that a pillow? Yeah, yeah, is for audio sound? purposes. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, that was decoration. Is there something uh, in your room that only you you knew about? A little secret stash, or a secret hidden drawer, or a locked drawer that nobody could get in, and the stuff's still in there? Not really. So in. Uh, Behind me, this door over here, that's my bathroom, but it's uh, it's one of those double bathrooms where there are, you know, two sinks, there's a shower and the toilet and everything, and there's another door that goes into my brother's room, so we shared a bathroom, but we could close off our doors and go between our rooms, but also in the bathroom, there is a door, and it's uh, like a walk-in attic, and so me and my brother, uh, when we'd smoke weed in high school, we'd both go go to our rooms, and then we'd go in the attic and just open the door, and we'd sit in there freezing our asses off in Iowa in the winter and just smoking a joint in the the attic. <laughs> so back in there, we used to keep you know our our dirt weed. <laughs> did, did you ever ask your mom or your dad if they knew that you guys snuck in the attic and smoked weed? 
No, you know, I haven't, I didn't. And, uh, you know, I'm back for, you know, not, that isn't the reason I'm back, but I'm going to go to my 20 year reunion. Um, oh, so very cool. we, yeah. So we've been talking about some old stories my brother and I, so probably at some point during this trip, I'll, I'll talk to my parents and ask them a couple things if see if they re- knew th- what was going on and if they remember. Yeah. Try to remind, uh, yourself to get back to me on that. I, I'm curious because you know, kids as kids we're all stupid like we we were bulletproof we think that nobody is um you know pay you know we we're smarter than everybody and i smoked cigarettes and i smoked weed when i was 11 12 13 years old i guess you know so i was i was an early bloomer i was a bad bad kid and i would get up in the morning before school and I had my own bathroom in my room in, in this one house when we just moved to Sarasota. And I would open up the window and I would smoke out the window. <laughs> Cigarette smoke carries. Weed smoke carries. I mean, you can be like a half a yeah. mile away and you're going to smell it. To think that just because, and for some reason you bought in that the hotter the shower, the less the smoke smell would be. I don't understand why, why we believe that. Yeah, yeah, or like the weed smell, and, and probably I think you'd mentioned before with the cigarettes, you'd you know wash your hands with cologne or you know something where you just smell like you wouldn't normally smell. Yeah, well, I thought that if I was smoking it right before I got in the shower, then the smoke didn't have enough time to just get into my skin. You know, it's just the dumbest shit, you know. So, like, <laughs> yeah. and if I talked to my mother, I'd probably ask her, I was like, did you know I was smoking up there? Yeah, she had to, you know, because I remember a couple of times she's like, Jax, is there smoke up there? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like a, if you ever had a friend that was on coke and they, they probably think that nobody knew. Nobody it's like, knows. Just to let you know, we all knew. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, you want to go outside and roll around in the snow? It's only 4 a.m. <laughs> watch me siphon gla- Watch me siphon gas with my dick. <laughs> uh, did, did you have a secret spot in your room? I'd like to hide things. Mm-hmm. Um, not not anything like I didn't have like a hole in the wall or anything like that. Like I said, I, I would either keep it in the attic or I just had like a, a little like kind of memory box in my drawer that I'd probably keep stuff in. Your mom or your mom and dad don't strike me as the kind of people that would search a room. No, not really. I mean, I, my little brother and I, we used to go and smoke in our tree house. Um, and instead of like, like asking for our weed back or whatever. My dad just boarded up the treehouse and just didn't say anything to us. <laughs> oh boy, Mr. Mr. Nate. <laughs> you go out there one day and you're like, what the fuck happened to our treehouse? <laughs> yeah, we didn't say anything either. <laughs> what do you think dad knows? Huh? Let's just, just let's yeah. not talk about oh, it. That's actually something I, I do want to ask him about. Um, so we have a pinball machine in our basement and it's one of the ones that's been rigged so you don't have to put money in it anymore. Mm-hmm. You can just play whatever. But there was a little key where you could open up the front where they would keep the change. And uh, my dad had some Playboys, I guess, when I was younger. And we we stole them, put them in there, and we'd hide them. And when uh, we'd come home from school and they were still at work, we'd open them up. Me and my little brother would look at them and look at the boobies and everything. And one day we uh, we went down there and we go to open it and all the playboys are gone. And there's just a little sticky note that says, come talk to me when you find this. Oh. We, we never went and talked to him. So I should go ask him about that and see what he did or what he thought of it. That's funny. That's great. Brandon, did you have a, a secret spot in your room? I'm asking this for a reason because I did. And I'm curious what your, your Nate didn't have it. But Nate had different parents than I did. Uh, Brandon, I'm yeah. guessing you're probably the same. You, your parents didn't don't strike me as, or 
I don't think they would go and sneak around your room. No, not really, but I did have, I had a bunk bed and in the top bunk, the one that was against the wall, I cut a hole in it to put all my vapes and stuff in there. On vapes. Okay. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Dip also. Yeah. Dip. And I, so, uh, I had, um, I would never see, I didn't start hiding stuff in my room. What? Well, I guess until I started getting bad. No, actually that's not true because I was bad in middle school when I lived in Naples. So the cigarettes and the weed, it was easy. I, I had a four wheeler. So I just put it in the seat, you know, the seat lifts up. You got a little compartment there. Mother had no clue, no idea. You know, there's it was the it, would, it was almost like uncomfortable how easy it was for me to hide stuff, right? Right. Uh, and and then um, I got caught putting something underneath the drawer in my bed, like there was a there was an open space, and I told you a story that the, we found stolen condoms and batteries. And I remember I, I took most of them and I just layered them underneath these drawers. My mom somehow found them. My mom would go through my stuff, obviously. And then when we moved to Sarasota, um, I started, there was a, a register, like a, a large register in my closet. And it was one of those clips where you just, sw- the swivel clip. So it was easy mm-hmm. to open and close. And there was tons of fucking room in there. And I mean, I had a bottle of Amaretto. I had uh, like a carton of cigarettes. I had a bag of weed. I mean, I had dip. I had every. It was like a convenience store in there. And she uh, she starts snooping around, and I got worried, so I freaked out. And I had this trunk that I had for years. I just like recently got rid of it after having it for like thirty years. You know those trunks you take to summer camp? Yeah, yeah. You know the plastic totes. No, 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 not plastic. It was very hard cardboard with, with, with metal edges. <laughs> you know, it looked like, a, tre- looked like a, a treasure, you know, like a, you know, a tr- it's a trunk. <laughs> Have you seen Goonies? <laughs> exactly. Have you seen Goonies? Okay. And it had the, the gold metal, you know, and then you put it on, yeah. you put the lock on, and it was that kind of thing. Uh, okay. So I had one of those from camp, you know, when I was in like seventh grade or sixth grade. So I still had it, and I, I'd put stuff, I had just all my stuff in there, like memories and pictures and stuff. So I started putting it in there and I started putting a lock on it. And if that's not like screams, hey, there's probably something in here you shouldn't see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got in trouble one time and my mom wanted to, uh, she's like, I'm coming upstairs. I'm going through. She gave me a heads up. She's like, I'm coming upstairs. I'm going through your room. I want the lock off the trunk. I'm like, well, thank you very much. So I had to go back to the register. And she was too stupid to you know open the damn thing up. And then when I got into high school, I got new furniture, black lacquer furniture. And on my desk, there was a drawer at the bottom that had a lock on it. Like you put a fucking key in it and you lock it and it nice. works great. I had my porn tapes, my Playboys, my my alcohol, my dip. I didn't really smoke too much weed in high school. I didn't really smoke actually a lot of cigarettes in high school. No cigarettes, no weed. It was really dip and alcohol. Um and it was great. Like there was a layer of dip at the bottom because we'd all take our dip over the drawer. And it works great because it had a, a, a lock and key. 
the time it doesn't work is when you forget to lock it. And your mom then asks you, what's chocolate thunder and why is it on a bunch of tobacco? (laughs) (laughs) That's when you find the friend that you like the least and you blame it all on him. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, which one of my friends am I okay with him not coming over ever again? (laughs) Yeah, It's like on a Christmas story when he blames the the bully for uh, telling him the F word or whatever. (laughs) Scott Schwartz is like, yeah. He said, what? <laughs> so, uh, you excited about your 20-year reunion? Uh, I don't know. I, I was at first because uh, I was like, oh, it'll be cool to see everybody again. You know, it's been a while. I, you know, I come back like once a year um, to see my parents, but usually just for a few days. And uh, so I haven't like met up with a ton of them for a long time. So I was ex- I'm excited to to talk to them, see them. But I'm I started having all these fears like, is somebody could come up to me and, you know, I'm not going to recognize them or not remember a story they're telling or, um, ju- yeah, just, uh, just that, that fear of like, wait, who are you or what's your name? Or, you know, but luckily I have my wife where I can be like, Hey, this is my wife, Alexis. And just hope they introduce themselves. Yeah. Well, you'll have name tags. I'm sure. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. And, and she's got a, she's got a, she's got to be the, the bumper, you know? So, and she knows that she's been, you know, with us in the radio business where somebody has to step in and you know yeah. whatever but uh yeah so she'll she'll be like oh my god oh, i don't mean to cut you off but your bracelet is gorgeous where did you and then you can kind of divert it like that rachel's really really good at that stuff because i'm horrible yeah. with names horrible with stories and i feel bad i really do uh faces i'm good but there's a dude that came up to me the other day and pff, like i supposedly know him so well and, you know, when you come across like an asshole, if you don't remember, right, I, I agree, I admit it. And I'm just horrible like that. I don't know why I just am. It's not that I'm not trying. And I'm usually very honest. You know, I'll try to fake it for maybe a couple seconds to try to get the, the, the brain going. And if I don't get it, I'm like, man, I got to be honest with you. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about right now. <laughs> you should have wore your name tag, man. What are you doing? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, and like you're saying, the stories, and it's not even that, yeah, like there's all stories that we forget, but it's it'll be interesting to see the things that I, re- like they remember that I don't and vice versa, you know, because I have the things that I remember and then they might not, but then you'll, you'll hear the other side of, oh, you don't remember when the jo- the dog jumped in the window in seventh grade? It was crazy. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to hear some of those stories that I may have forgotten over the years. Do you keep in contact with a lot of your classmates? Not, I mean, other than Facebook and I, I see what they're doing, I don't like check in ton, a ton. Like my, one of my best friends, Jeff, uh, I'll, I talk to him and I see him every time I come back. Um, uh, so there's a handful of people that I'll, I'll make time to see because I'm usually only back for a few days. Um, uh, but most of them, it's, you know, that Facebook connection. I can probably like recognize somebody's kids, uh, just by Facebook. You know, you, when you scroll, I play this game sometimes on Facebook when I scroll through, I don't look at the name, but I just look at the kids and see if I can be like, <laughs> Oh, that's a, you know, that's Bill's son or whatever, you know? <laughs> Uh, so are are you afraid of the success like of anybody else? No, I mean, I know I've got my 30 year reunion next year. And when I went back for, I didn't go back for 20. I went back for 10 and I was proud with my chest out, man. I was, I was, I was like, what's up, you know? And, and now unless, I mean, 
I may hate to be the downer of our podcast, but I, I enjoy doing this and this is, it's great and I love it. And I know a lot of people love it, but I'm a very impatient person and I need a lot more than what I'm getting now. So it's very, still very tough for me to go and say, I'm a professional podcaster. It's just fucking at 47. It just sounds weird. I know it's acceptable. I know you can make a living off this. We are making a living off this. It's just, I don't know if I could go back to my high school reunion and do it. So yeah. I, I don't know if you'd have that problem, but I do. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like with you, it, like, let's say you go back to your third year reunion. It's not just uh, what you've been doing for the last year. Like, look what you've been doing your whole career. I mean, you have so many cool accolades that you can talk about. It's not just, you know, the most recent thing. So I assume people will ask me about the radio stuff and, and maybe I would feel a little more self-conscious if I was still living in my parents' house doing here, doing the podcast, but <laughs> I think, uh, you know, doing it for Mexico is kind of a fun talking point. So I'm sure people will ask me stuff about that. Yeah, there you go. Brandon, have you been back to a high school reunion yet? No, I graduated five years ago. Oh, oh that's right. Okay. So you, so you got you got to wait five more years. I guess, Yeah, did they do the first one at 10? I, we did. I don't know if that's the norm. I think it is. I think it's 10, 25, yeah. and then 30. It's weird. Jumps. I don't know. I'm I'm doing my twenty, so I th- or twenty. Yeah. I think I think some people do a five. I don't know if we did because I. That's usually like the year after you get out of college, um, but yeah, ten twenty. My dad just had his like fiftieth. I think. Um, yeah, but Who's that yeah, together. What's like, that? Who puts that together? Who's like, all right, guys, we're doing it now. The more, it's usually the, the uh, mortician. The, uh, like the, <laughs> yeah right yeah it's usually like the student council or you know the student body um like class you know i i was part of it i was a, a student council president but obviously since i wasn't here i could only do so much so i did things like um i'm putting together the the playlist for um for the the reunion so that's been fun um you know and i helped out in some some different ways so yeah it's it's usually you know the 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 student governing body that puts it together did you, did you do a top three list for the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no i had to put together six hours of music so it was kind of fun actually uh trying to mix together you know things i think people like and i'm like okay i gotta start it out slow and then they'll probably start getting drunk about two hours in so then i'm gonna bump it up a little bit and then you gotta bring them back down so yeah i'm, I'm having fun with it would you just do a spotify playlist yeah yeah six hours Spotify playlist (laughs) (laughs) you guys couldn't afford a DJ or a band um I I don't know I think they were talking to one and I don't know if that just felt because they just asked me like last week so I'm guessing the band fell through or something so um so DJ Nate's coming in (laughs) just push and play (laughs) I wonder if anybody that graduated and then became a professional musician you know a big deal you know, if they go back and they play the reunion, like the whole set, oh. or at least just the song. I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Yeah. Yeah. We should ask, you know, like some of the musicians we know, like maybe like Will Turpin or something like that. Cause I think he still lives nearby yeah. uh, where he grew up. Yeah. Uh, that's a great that, question. Really cool. I've never asked that question to an artist. That is a great question to ask. Yeah. That would be really interesting to know. Like, oh, huh. come on, Prince, just one song. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I need royalties. Yeah, I, 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 if you're a, a big deal, I don't know if they would do it. I don't know. Maybe times have changed. Probably back I in the see, 90s, they wouldn't. They'd be a little prickish. Yeah, I can see somebody like Dave Grohl. I think he could, he would do totally. something like that. Yeah, Dave Grohl Re- totally would do it. Really, any, any of the artists that you see that... Um, 
like you see a video and they're like, oh, uh, you know, Dave Grohl is in in town and he he jumped on this little uh, little bars band and, you know, mm-hmm. played a couple songs with them or something like that. Or, you know, Paul McCartney in Winter Park. We, you know, we've se- seen him go out to those bars there. Uh, so I feel like people like that that just love to just play music. I could see them doing it. Yeah. God, I missed Paul McCartney by like five or ten minutes. His uh, his stepson was going to Rollins College in Winter Park. I mean, this is years ago. And this was his new wife, who I think he's still with today. And he would come into town, I guess, all the time. And then Winter Park, Florida, is, it's a nice, quaint part of Orlando. You know, some really nice homes. And um, they have a downtown section, Main, Stre- Main Street, right? Yeah, Main Street, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, they got shops and, and restaurants. Where's that Park Ave? Park Ave, thank you, Park Ave. So, yeah. yeah. You know, back, when I first got to Orlando in 95, it was actually a party. Like, there was partying going on. It wasn't all ritzy-titsy. Like, they had some bars that you would hit up. You know, you go downtown, you go to Winter Park. And it was a it was a spot because there's college kids right there at Rollins. So it was just a different vibe. It was like a more snooty vibe. Um, <laughs> but Paul McCartney's stepson was going to Rollins, so they would go and visit him often. And at the time, I was, I was partying a lot downtown Winter Park. That's where we would go. I had a different crowd. And I remember walking down there like, oh, dude, Paul McCartney... And, like, one of the Allman Brothers were in a bar. They just got up on this little, like, four-by-four stage and just start playing. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, so I'm like, guys, let's go. We're walking down there, and it was just empty. It was nothing. No (laughs) No Paul McCartney. I've never seen anything like that. Uh, Same Kind of the same lines of, like, you're at... Um, you know, like the punchline and Dave Chappelle comes in just to do a surprise set or something. I would, I would love to, but I've never have, I've never seen anything like that. I, I've never been a part of anything like that either. Um, you know, I, maybe, maybe the only claim to, I don't know why I thought of this. Wow. Uh, the, is it Jim Harbor? Um, no, uh, let's see. Colts. Where are they from? It was a Colts quarterback back in the day. Uh, like, uh, this would have been early 90s, mid-90s. Indianapolis Colts. Um, anyway, so it's, it's I want to you say the name, I'm going to know who it is. But uh, it wasn't Jeff George. Maybe it was Jeff George. You know what position they played? Yeah, it was quarterback. Quarter, oh, okay. Yeah. Alexa, off. Bitch. Uh, it might have been Jeff George. Anyway, I just remember. Did Jet? Did did Jet? Was there a Jeff Hostetler or uh, Jim Harbor? Did any of them play quarterback for the Colts in the nineties? Jim. Um. Was it Johnny Unitas? No, it was not Johnny Unitas. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here's a whole list. Of oh, them. yeah. J- Jim Harbaugh was a uh, quarterback in ni- in the 90s before it, Peyton Manning. Uh, f- okay, so he was he was quarterback for the Colts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, that's what I thought. So he walks into, um, yeah, 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 Jim Harbaugh, uh, 94, 95, 96, 97. Yes, okay. It was, so it was him. And he walks into what was that bar in that da- loaded hog? Was it the load? Yeah. Okay. Loaded yeah, yeah. hog. Wall Street. Yeah. Wall Street. Yeah. 
that was like my one of it was my spot before spots, right? So places packed, everybody's on the dance floor. Actually, I think it played kind of more rocky music. So, I'm an all star. You know, so we're all out there, we're singing, and in walks uh, Jim Harbaugh, and he's wearing this the brightest fucking Indianapolis Colts white hat you can imagine. Just this big guy. And he just walks to the crowd, parts it like the Red Sea, and he stops right in front of me and my friends. And we're like, dude, Jim Arbro! He's like, yeah! And he's like partying with us. He's walking and started partying with us. We're like, what the fuck is happening right now? Now, when you're a college kid and a celebrity or professional athlete, you meet them you're on cloud nine, right? You're bragging right. about it for fucking weeks. Like, dude, we fucking blew apart Jim Harbro and fucking smash mouth and fucking load all glass and fucking shit. <laughs> Jim, you want to come back to the fraternity house? You got shit to do, man. We're just some good old boys, man. Come on back. You know? All right, let's see. Yeah, and especially back then, you didn't probably have, like, cell phone cameras or anything, no. so nobody believed you. Like, <laughs> Bullshit, dude. Bullshit. Prove it. Prove it. <laughs> if you ask Andy, he'll tell you Peter saw us with his uncle because he was there because his daughter bartends at the Loaded Dog, so she probably saw us. That's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Brandon, maybe you should ask some uh, somebody older in Noonan because um, Alan Jackson went to Noonan uh, High School. Oh. So I wonder if he went when he because uh, what I wonder what year he graduated. Let me find out. But yeah, I wonder if he played his reunion. He'd be a good, like a country guy. I think would be a good guy to play a reunion because you yeah. don't need a, like a full band or anything, just guitar and a cowboy hat. That would be cool. Yeah. Did you know Alan Jackson went to your high school? Uh, well, he didn't go to my high school. He went to the rival high school. But yeah, I didn't know that. Oh. And then uh, I think our our sheriff, yeah, our sheriff went to high school with him. Ooh, ask him. Wait, rival high school? Where, where, didn't you go to Noonan High School? Oh, what a East Coweta Indians. Uh-huh. Damn straight, baby. Damn right. So you're not a true new Noonian. A Noonian. Our rivals rivals are the Oldians. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Did you have anybody famous go to high school with you, Nate? Or a dude your high school? Um, Yeah, Corey Taylor from Slipknot. Um, Oh, he went to your high school? Oh, wait, no, sorry. Not to my high school. He's from my area. Um, So the guy's from Mudvayne, too, right? Yeah. Um... God, I don't know. I don't think so. Not that I can think off the top of my head. I'll, have to, I'll ask somebody at the reunion. Ashton Kutcher uh, from Iowa, I think. Yeah, yeah. He was discovered at uh, uh, Coralville Mall in Iowa City um, at a, like a fresh face. It was like one of those mall talent scouting things. Ah. Uh, yeah, and that's what they found him there. Who would have ever uh, thunk but, it years later? He would be banging Mila Kunis. Good for you. Yeah. Lucky bastard. Uh, damn, I knew I should have signed up for those things. <laughs> Thought they were all scams. I guess they weren't. Maybe you got his butthole tickled too. Who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know um, nobody famous that I know of went to my school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, here I got a couple. Um, and actually, this is my, my buddy's uncle, uh, Dennis Gibson. He played for the Chargers. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Todd these, Sears. These are your high school. Yeah, my high school. Uh, my, my one of my wrestling buddies, Colton Smith. He's uh, he won the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, see, so not like a you know professional NFL player or anything, but uh, he's a professional fighter. That's cool. Uh, Paul, yeah, Paul so, Revere. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking. Yeah, ma- mainly like ba- uh, athletes, like uh, baseball players and stuff like that. But no, nobody um, like celebrity wise that I can think of. Yeah, I had no. I think the biggest one that went DC was a uh, Keith Brooking. I know him. 
Yeah, the, the play for, for the Falcons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, him defensive lineman. Yeah, he was good, real good. Yep, he, he came from our school. Did he really? Uh-huh. Oh, he was probably a beast in high school. Yeah, I think he was like three or four years older than me, though. Maybe older than that. I was going to say, he's going to have to be older than <laughs> that yeah. because he played, uh, I think probably he stopped in, what, the early 2000s? Okay, yeah, he was a lot older then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was a good ball player, though. Really good ball player. Uh, yeah, we had nothing like that. You know, we only had 100 people, like usually 100 people in the graduating class. I guess, I guess, I guess there's this guy in our class. He was, he never spoke. Like, you know, he was, he was an, you know, he was be considered a nerd. I'm sure he was a nice guy. I mean, I maybe talked to him twice in four years. I don't know. Um, but he just never spoke. I never heard the guy speak. And he always just looked, he kind of looked like, uh, Mopey the dog or whatever that card, you know, the hello. Who's the dog? Oh yeah. You know, Droopy. Droopy. Yeah. Hey guys, I got nothing to do here today. So he just always kind of looked like that. And he had like one of those mopey faces. And then I didn't go back for my 20 year reunion. No, I didn't have a 25. I had a 20 year reunion. Um, but it was right when I moved to Atlanta and, and, and I just didn't have, I, I couldn't do it. I, we were in Vegas and then I started my new job and we had to get house, you know, all that stuff. So I didn't go to it, and that sucked because I really did want to go to it. <clears throat> but I heard, because uh, I have friends that actually live here in town that went to it that, that I went to high school with, and this guy shows up, and he's, like, lost all this weight. He's kind of chunky. He wasn't overly obese or anything, but he, he was he lost all this weight. He's a runner, but he's just a total dick, like, bragging about, yeah, you know, what I do is I do this, and I do this, and uh, I'm like, who the fuck are you? Like, nobody, like, dude, you're like, that's not the guy we went to high school with. What a total 180. So then he he becomes a politician. I don't know what he does for a living, but he lives in Manatee County, which is just north of Sarasota County, and he becomes a politician, or he's trying to, or he's like a congress. I don't know what he is. Um He's a councilman. He's not even a congressman. He's a councilman. And he gets, like, during the, the, the election, he gets uh, popped for having an affair with his wife. And then he gets, like, a DUI. Like, everything, like, with a politician that comes with it, he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't wait to see this guy at the 30-year reunion because I'm going to be like, dude, you're fucking awesome. <laughs> I've been laughing at you for like the last four years. You're great. I wish I would have known you better in high school, dude. <laughs> yeah. But we, you know, I should, I should take that back. We actually did. We had a, a friend of mine became the mayor of Sarasota, which is way cool. You know, I, yeah. I, I told you that story. I was at a, a table. Um, my buddy's wife passed away tragically. And sadly, this was some years ago. So I, you know, drove up to to see him and, and go to the funeral and whatnot. And I'm at a table with um, this guy and then this woman that I went to school with. And we were we were acquaintances. We were all friends. We weren't best of friends, but we were acquaintances. And the girl, um, she was way nerdy, very very prude, you know, but the sweetest girl, like really really nice. And there was something so sexy about her. But she was a nerd, like you wouldn't, you couldn't go there, but there was something real, like you're just like, someday there's going to be something really sexy. And it still holds true to this day. There's still something very sexy. She became a fucking scientist. Like we're sitting there talking about what we did at the, at the table and they all kind of knew what I did, you know, being in radio. 
And you know, you're like, okay, I'm in radio, you know, not that I'm better than anybody, but it's a good job and I do well for myself and people know who I am and it's a cool job. Look at me. I'm, I'm successful. I do radio. What do you do? I'm a scientist. <laughs> what? Yeah. I go to work every day. Wear a lab coat. It's kind of boring. But the other day we almost cured cancer. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, what do you do? He's like, well, I'm finishing up my term as mayor of Sarasota. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to go back. I never want to talk to you people ever again. I can't compete with that. What am I supposed to go back and say, yeah, you know, I'm a, a radio personality turned full-time pot. What you, oh, you're running for president. Very cool. Okay, nice. Okay. Uh, uh, you, you, cool, you, you did cure cancer. Okay, excellent. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Oh, you're, you're going to be the new God. Oh, nice. Very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and like your buddy that, um, was the mayor, you'll, you'll start to think about these stories that you like, dude's the mayor. And I remember when he, he ate a cigarette, butt at a party on a dare, you know, like just those funnies, same thing with like a lot of like the girls, you know, maybe I'll meet somebody's husband. I never met. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I saw two of my buddies tag team, your wife in the back of the, you know, the safe way. That's, that's always the, the, the thing that sticks in my head, like some of the girls that we went to school with, or you run into, you know, your ex-girlfriend knowing the things that, you did or what you've seen and what you know and and nobody talks about it because it's not the right thing to do but everybody knows everybody knows you know yeah <laughs> it's yeah really- like there, there's this one girl and she's not my grade but a different one but i remember a story there was uh we're at a party and she tried to put uh the end of a 40 ounce beer in her butthole at the party <laughs> and she has like kids and stuff now and i'm just thinking they probably have no idea <laughs> Did you, do you have a, like a secret, not a, yeah, like a secret about a girl in school that you never told anybody or, you know, you just kind of kept it to yourself. And now if you go back and see him and you'd be like, Oh shit, this is going to be really weird. Yeah. I don't know about a secret. It's probably kind of like we were talking about just the things that, you know, you hooked up with, you know, blank girl or whatever, what you guys did together and you're, and you're looking at them and they, they remember and you're both with your spouses and yeah, you probably don't bring it up. Right. Yeah, th- there was a girl. Remember when I did coke off your tits? <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a girl that I always, had, you know, because remember I had a girlfriend for all four years of, of high school. Now we took a, 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 a small break and I dated like one or two other people, slept with one other person. Um, so, yeah, so, but but we were together for six years. I mean, everybody knew that we we were the couple. And my senior year, um, I don't know. I know we were still going out, but I was having some doubts or something. I don't know what it was. We, had, we hadn't gotten back together. Let's put it that way. So I think I was still having doubts. And this girl who was her friend, I mean, there's only a handful of hot girls to go around, right? So there's going to be some crossover. And this girl, I just thought she was just so attractive. There was just, some, just something exotic and sexy about her and stuff. And she, we, we start talking we were, we're already friends. We started and she writes me this letter about a dream that she had. And it's just like, like, I'd never heard a girl talk like this before. She's like, so I woke up and I'm in the woods and I made my way over to this beautiful waterfall and the monkeys were chirping in the trees and the birds were chirping in the branches. And I go down there to, 
to to take a bath. So I remove all of my clothes and start bathing with natural figs and berries and nuts. And you walk up on me and you look confused. And then I woke up and I've always wanted to know, what do you do? Do you join me under the waterfall for a bath or do you leave the forest never to speak of it again? I'm like, I don't know. What do I do? I wasn't in the dream. (laughs) You think the the reunion is like a place where you maybe apologize to somebody for something? Or do you just kind of don't say anything unless they bring it up? Because Alexis has had a couple people, like at least on social media, um, as adults now apologize to her for like you know, teasing her in high school. She had like really big boobs in high school. So she would like guys would come by and grab her boobs and like slap her and just, but now it's like, you know, sexual assault, but at, at the time they didn't really do anything about it. So they've apologized online. Um, but I don't, I don't know if you would like bring that up if you'd like bullied somebody in high school or something. Uh, Cause it, does it make it more awkward then if you're like, Hey man, I just want to say, I'm really sorry for that. You know, mega wedgie I gave you, you know, in the locker room or something, but th- does it make it weird then? No, I don't think it makes it weird. I think it makes you a good person if you know, cause it obviously weighed on you for all these years. So uh, it's, it's definitely the right thing to do. Uh, I, for me, I don't know if there's anyone in my senior class that I would have, picked on or bullied um there there was a kid and and i couldn't pick him out of a lineup of two people um you know it it, i i just didn't know he was but and i knew who he i I knew what he was talking about but he worked with an ex-girlfriend of mine this was years ago and they worked like right next to each other i mean the fucking chances this happening and she tells they start talking become friends says who she's dating and he's like, I know that guy. I went to high school with that guy in Sarasota. She's like, wow, really small world. Yeah, he used to tie me up to the weight benches with weight belts and put his butthole in my face. You know, and <laughs> like when you're an adult and you hear somebody say that to you, it's really fucking embarrassing. And, you know, I remember I got on the, I think I got on the phone with him and I was embarrassed. And I said, man, I am so sorry. I just, I am. I, I sorry I, I i i don't want to talk to you because i feel so bad you know and he was like no it's cool man he's like it's all good he's like i appreciate you apologizing and i'm like Jeez. but you know some of the stuff you you know i guess you would apologize if it affected them but some of the stuff that you know the, the younger generation is not going to get it but there was a there was an initiation there was a hazing there was uh it was a locker room it was the good old boy it was and now it's not acceptable and that's fine i can accept the change i can i i really can but if I can accept the change, you have to accept at one point it was almost permitted. It was it was the rite of passage. It was just how things were done. So here's the happy medium. You can't always say, well, that's how it's always been done. That's how it's always got to be done. You have to say, okay, times are changing. This is not acceptable now. I get it. But you have to say, at that time, I understand that's that that's what happened, right? You know, so everybody's kind of got to get on the same page here. Not that it's right, not that it's wrong, but it was done. Like, we would piss on kids' heads in the shower. We would put semen in their shampoo. We would nail their shoes <laughs> to the walls where they couldn't reach them. We would whip them with leather weight belts. I mean, we would do Russian sit-ups where they put their nose in your butthole. 
Um, just stuff to let people know that we're your friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I don't know if it was ever like, okay. It just, people just didn't get in trouble. Like you, I don't know if like nobody would just, nobody said anything or if you'd report it and the, you know, there wasn't like cell phone cameras or screenshots of text messages or anything at the time. So I don't know if maybe just the, the adults or the administrations or whatever just didn't do anything because they couldn't prove anything or what. But yeah, there's some people I think um, maybe it made them stronger. There's other people that it probably affected them horribly mentally and it changed who they were as a person. So I feel like it's probably good to just apologize to, to anyone because you don't know how it affected them. Well, I got bullied, you know, I, but it was actually, he became my, one of my best friends, but for some reason he hated me um, for like when we first met, and he put my, uh, I don't think he did it because he hated me. I think he did it because he was just picking on me. And I wasn't used to that. I was always used to kind of being the bigger guy that, you know, I don't know, tougher, but bigger guy that people wouldn't mess with. And, you know, I, mean, I was just had a good way of acting and, and people just didn't do anything. But anyway, he took my mouthpiece one day before practice and put it up his asshole. And Ooh. yeah. And if it weren't for the only black guy on the team, we called him streak. Um, who told me about it before I went out there, I would have put my mouthpiece in my mouth. So I was late coming out to practice and everybody, I could tell everybody was looking at me and I had a new mouthpiece and I put the mouthpiece. I was like, I just waited for everybody to kind of look and I put it in my mouth. I'm like, um. <laughs> and they're like, ah, oh! and I'm like, it's a new one, dead dickheads. <laughs> you know? I did a lot of butt stuff at your school. <laughs> Everything went in the butt. <laughs> Everything smells guards. Everything in college. Uh, there's a uh, our middle linebacker who was the, the one of the captains of the team, but definitely the leader of the defense. He was a tough boy. He was a tough little tough little North North that North Kagalaki boy. Um, he he would jerk off in people's shampoo bottles. Yeah, and you my had, school too. Yeah, you had no documentation of that. You know, no cell phones. You just tell you about it. And think it was the fucking funniest thing in the world. And then he was like, "You want you want to show you?" And I'm like, "No, it's not something you do with your buddy, <laughs> right? You just do it and you tell people about it. But it's still not, you know, it's 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 weird to to get in on the joke. You know, <laughs> it's just kind of odd. But he would yeah. go to people's suites. You know, we had suites in the dorms, and everybody just leave their shampoo out. He'd jerk off in it and think it was funny. I don't know." Yeah, it was always butt and jerking off. Those are the two, uh, the go-tos as a kid. <laughs> well, you didn't have anything else to deal with. I mean, work with. That's all you had. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. See, those those memories are good memories to me. You know, even the bully stuff, whether I was bullied or I did something to something, like those are part of the memories, you know? It's, well, your bullying wasn't that bad, or getting bullied wasn't that bad then. <laughs> if it was a good memory for you, probably the guy that was getting like a carrot put in his butt and shaving cream up his nose wasn't super happy about it. <laughs> well, no, I mean there were there were other instances, especially with the older classmen that that you know there were bullying situations. But I always looked at that type of stuff as what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and so you have to it made me a better person, you know, mentally, physically, you know, to say, okay, how do you, how do you beat it? You know, how, and you know how you beat it is you join it. And that doesn't mean you have to become, you know, a bad person, but you befriend people, right? The more friends you have, then the less people are going to fuck with you. Right. So it's, it, I looked at it as a game in order to win. You know, I wasn't just 
born into cool class royalty like I felt like I had to work for it and prove myself. You know, my 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 buddies, my lifelong buddies didn't really become my lifelong buddies until my junior into senior year. And that was when I decided I wanted to be a better football player. It was literally just one day I just said, I want to be a good football player. And I was a totally different football player in spring training or spring practices. I was a beast. And the coach was like, Jeez, Kasper, where did you come from? What happened to you over? What are you doing? You're laying people out. You just uh, you just trucked Andy Hunt. You know, it's like, I don't know, coach. I decided I want to play football. I want to go to college and play football. Okay, well, you keep doing that, Bowie. We're going to not only get you a bunch of trophies, but we're going to put you in college. And you're going to play football in college. I'm like, all right, coach. Thank you very much. So. <laughs> I just I just think of the scene in um, Happy Gilmore when he uh, calls uh, Steve Buscemi and apologizes to him. Yeah. And he puts the lipstick <laughs> on. The list. Like, glad, glad I called that guy. <laughs> <laughs> People to kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put lipstick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't. You, but you didn't get to experience the college stuff, Brandon. And that's that's just as good as the high school stuff, if not even better in a lot of cases. Yeah, no, I experienced all the worst parts of college. Like paying bills and not going. I mean, <laughs> yeah, class. Class. You know, I mean, so that's that's why it's important. Like, my daughter has changed her mind about going to L.A. Thank God. Damn. <laughs> so, uh, but we still have a year left, you know. That's why I'm she in might like, change her mind again. Yeah, you're right, she might. But, but and, and I think it has a little bit to do with his boy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, so anyway, but that's okay because I, 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 she's making the right decision. She at least listened to me and she wants to do cosmetology, right? That's what she wants to do. That's fine. She knows, she's known what she's wanted to do since she was 12. And she wants to do makeup and hair for, for movies and, and this and this and that. And she wants to be a big deal and she wants to be self-employed, work for herself and, and all that stuff. I think that's tremendous that she knows what she wants to do at such a young age. I said, the only thing that I'm going to request from you is that you get a business degree. So you know what you're doing, you know, because if you're right out of high school at 18 and you're opening up your own business and you've got no experience whatsoever. You have no idea what to do. I mean, it's a lot easier nowadays to open up your own business, I think, versus, you know, it's taking payments and setting up a business account, getting an LLC and all that stuff. But have a strategy. Know what you're doing. And plus, I want you to experience college. I want you to experience living in a dorm. I want you to experience having your first apartment. I want you to experience struggling for a couple weeks with cash, which I don't think she'll ever do. But, you know, I, I want you to experience, you know, uh, a lonely Friday night that's raining outside and everybody's doing something, but you're not. I, in, in a, in a, but you can hear them outside your window. I want you to experience all that because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that you can go through life without having those experiences. If you have the opportunity, I know not everybody goes to college, but if you have the opportunity to go to college, um, then go to college and enjoy yourself and and learn the social aspect of college, uh, the networking aspect of college. Uh, join a sorority, you know, to do something. And so, um, you know, I just think it prepares you for the outside world a little bit better. 
Yeah, definitely. You got to learn, um, you know, like you're saying, you, you, maybe you have to stay home and study while your friends go out to the bars or something, or you learn the opposite way and you go out to the bars with your friends and you get an F on your paper and then you realize I can't go out to the bars with my friends when I got something to do. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so a little, uh, like personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You, you do learn personal responsibility without a doubt. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but no more LA. Thank God. <sighs> she wants to go to school here in Georgia. She wants to go to like, um, Georgia Southern baby. That's on the list. Uh, also Georgia college. Oh, in Milledgeville. Yes. Real big party school. Yep. That's a good one. Is it really? Oh yeah. They got so many bars and so many parties. My buddy used to go there and I used to go down there and hang out with them. In Milledgeville where the fucking psych ward is. Yeah, they have nothing to do but bars. I mean, it's just like cornfields and fields and mental you, hospitals. You can tell because they're the name of their college is so creative. Georgia College. Oh, we got another. We're just gonna party. What, what should we call this hospital? Georgia <laughs> College. What should we call the college? Georgia. Georgia College. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Georgia College is already taken. Well, we're south of it. Let's do Georgia Southern. yeah yeah but so not in atlanta though she doesn't want to do like uh georgia tech or georgia state or anything yeah i don't think she'd get into tech um she doesn't want to go to a big school she doesn't want to go to to uga or she she wants to go to a a bit a big small school so i'm Mm -hmm. i'm pointing her in the direction of kennesaw state i think kennesaw state would be good uh, yeah, I like Kennesaw State. Good school. Uh, it's, she can be a part of the growing of the school. Kennesaw State reminds me a lot of UCF when I was going there. You know, where, except it's way farther advanced, but, you know, the football team is this and, you know, this and this and that. So, um, yeah, and it has kind of like the college. It's not like Georgia State or, or Georgia Tech where it's it's like a, a city school, like it's in the city, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, Kennesaw State's kind of like the suburb school, but they still have that college atmosphere with the, the restaurants and the bars. And it's a, you know, a tighter community. It seems like. Yeah. And, and I, I've been to Georgia Southern before my, I've had a couple of buddies play for Georgia Southern. So I'd go over and visit them back in the day. That was a cool school, you know, uh, the head football coach from Kennesaw State coach, uh, Boynihan, I think he played at Georgia Southern in the early nineties, Luke Bryan, Sigma Chi, Mm-hmm. From Georgia Southern. So Georgia Southern is a pretty cool school. And it's about, you know, I don't know how far away that is. I know Georgia College is like four hours away. I don't know how far Georgia Southern is. I think it's, a li- I think it's still like on the, just a little south of college, Georgia College, right? Oh, is it? Near oh, no. Okay, so it's about the same. That, that that's, like, that's like the going rate for if you go off to college, be about four hours away from home. So you're far enough away that you're on your own, but you're close enough that if you got to get there, you got to get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did. I went to Iowa state for a year and it was 20 minutes from my home or from, you know, where I grew up and I just didn't feel like I was at college. So, so then I moved to Texas, then I moved to Florida just to get that college experience. So, cause when I was 20 minutes away, all the high school kids were coming up and I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I'm still in fucking high school. I'm seeing all the same kids. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> you. Brandon, where moving, did you go I'm, for moving, a, I'm moving to Florida. Fuck you. Watch how far <laughs> I can go. <laughs> Brandon, where did you go for a little bit? Uh, well, I went to West Georgia Tech, and then I went to West Georgia. West Georgia. Okay, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Wanted to keep it the opposite of the eastern side. Needed to stay in the <laughs> western hemisphere for the college. Yeah. I said to myself, Brandon, I'm going to get a higher education, but I got to do it on the west side. <laughs> yeah. Refuse to go on the east side. It's not happening. Western 
ask you, Western Georgia, Western Southern Georgia, Western Northern Georgia, Western of the West, West of Georgia, but I'm not going East. Not going to happen. <laughs> oh, uh, Georgia College is an hour and 38 minutes from the center of Atlanta. Okay. So, really? So that's about three hours for me then. So two and a half. Two yeah. And a half hours. It's, or if you're walking, it's 29 hours. Yeah. Well, that's what we would do. We'd walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that sounds fun. Uh, have fun at your, your reunion. I hope it goes well. Give us a full report you. when you're done. And uh, that's 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 really neat. Is it, where, where are they doing it? At the school? Uh, no, it's actually at a brewery. So right up my alley. Yeah, it works out <laughs> for you, huh? Uh, yeah. That's cool. They my do, Did you guys have like a Facebook group? Yep. Yeah, we have a Facebook group and okay. I've been doing the social posts trying to get people to buy tickets and stuff like that. So I've just been posting all these fun like 90s, 2000 memes trying to get people's attention. Okay, that's cool. That's what we have. We have a, a, a Facebook group that we've had for years that we're all in and we'll, you know, we'll chat every now and again and whatnot. Um, but the the people that are putting together the, the reunion, they post it um, that they want to do the, reu- the the idea next year, next summer, about this time. Would be to do the reunion at, in one of the beaches in Sarasota, but this big resort, and that we would all stay there. Rach is a part of this Facebook group, so she sees everything that's posted. She goes, "Did you see the thing that they want you to do?" They want you to... I said, "I said, yeah, I saw it." She goes, "Yeah, Jason Bailey's not going to do that." <laughs> I know I can't do. It. She's like, "You're not going to stay in the same place as everybody." I go, "I know I can't." It's just, it just I don't know. It's just not me. So yeah. I'll just stay someplace else. <laughs> I think as the years go on, they usually get like less uh, fancy. You know, probably the the ten year. You're like, yeah, let's run out Universal Studios, or you know, we'll hire Kansas to come in and play. And then by your thirty, you're like, yeah, we're just gonna meet up at that hole in the wall bar. Just you know, bring your own beer. You know, we'll have a good time. <laughs> you know the Chick Fil A? Yeah, that one. I'll meet you there. You'll see me. You can't miss me. Yeah. We're just going to go smoke cigarettes in the parking lot like we used to. Because <laughs> the Chick-fil-A is kind of symbolic. It used to be nothing where we used to come and drink beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> used to just be a softball field. That's where we used to come. All yeah. right. Uh, Nate, you got your Mexico moment? You ready to go? Yes, sir. And now a Mexico moment with Nate. All right, Nader Tater's good. Uh, Mexico Moment with Nate, sponsored by Furry Family Comfort Care. Stephanie is a registered veterinary technician certified in hospice and palliative care for dogs and cats with over 20 years' experience. Mobile and virtual assessments, things like, do I need to take my dog or cat for the, to the vet for this? Personal nurse for your fur baby that can uh, collaborate with your vet in, to ensure the best care for your pet. And now mention the BS and get 50% off your first appointment, whether it be a consultation about your pet's health, hospice consult, cold laser therapy, or 50% off one night for your dog or cat at the Furry Family Comfort Care Resort. Find Furry Family Comfort at FurryFamilyCC.com. That's FurryFamilyCC.com. Furry Family. Thank you very much. All right, good. Uh, so this was um, last week when we were getting ready to leave for our, like, cross-country Mexico trip. And, um, you know, we... We, we came down to Mexico with Tiger, and actually this past week was just a, a year since uh, our dog Pharaoh had passed, and he was supposed to be coming down to Mexico with us as well. Um, but so w- before we moved to Mexico, we brought these two carriers 
um, so we could fly down with them. And then obviously after Pharaoh passed, we sold one of them in the States uh, before we left. And then we brought Tiger down um, on United. And um, so we already had his carrier ready to go. And one of the issues um, kind of traveling around by car or, you know, you know, on land with a, a dog in Mexico is they don't allow them in the bus unless you're, um, you want to put them underneath the bus where the luggage goes and, you know, you don't want to do that. Um, so, so we're trying to figure out how to get him there and taxis and stuff. So we ended up doing the transfer, you know, the, the transfer that we would uh, schedule with you guys for you guys to come down to Plato Carmen from the Cancun airport where it's like the, the van. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we ended up using those guys. And, uh, and actually, uh, Brandon's birthday gift to me paid for that. So thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, hell um, yeah. so, <laughs> so, um, so we, uh, hired this, uh, the van to bring uh, us up to the Cancun airport so we could fly out to Mexico city. Then, you know, we're staying in Mexico city for three days. And then we went over to Cabo, uh, for a couple days and then up here to Iowa. So we were flying Mexican airlines, um, domestically, obviously. And then we flew American from Cabo to Iowa, um, so we get to the airport and I'd been stressing out about this because everybody has these kind of different rules with flying with a pet. And, uh, some of them are by weight. Some of them have, you know, these carriers, they have to have certain sizes cause they have to be able to fit under the seat. Um, cause they're, they're counted as your carry on. And, uh, and then they all have different, you know, it has to be this, this many inches or the dog has to be able to turn around uh, comfortably in the, um, in the carrier and everything. So I've been stressing out about it and Alexis like, it'll be fine. You know, we, we flew, we flew down with him. I don't know why there'd be an issue. Tiger's been losing weight. Um, uh, some of them will say they have to be like 27 pounds or 25 pounds or under. I think Tiger's like 22 right now. Um, so she's like, he's fine. He's fine. Um, and you have to have their, their health, their bill of health from the vet and their shots and everything like that. So we had to go to the, our Mexican vet and get all of his health certificates and everything. Um, so, uh, I think, what was it? It's about seven in the morning. We, we get in the transfer and we go up to the Cancun airport and we get in there and we go to check in and they, they just have to check the, um, you know, check him in basically. And they give him a little tag to go on his carrier and we put him up there on the scale and it doesn't matter cause they're not weighing him on this airline. And, uh, they look at us and they say, he's too big. He's too big. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And he's like the, the carrier is And he's like, it's, it's saying it's too tall or too wide or something. And you know, there's a little bit of a language barrier, obviously. And I was like, no, 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 no it's fine. And you know, Lex is like, what are you talking? Like she's, she's getting like mom bear on him. And I'm like, come now. It's fine. It's fine. I was like, I'm trying to pull up the dimensions. And he's like, no, he's like, he, he can't fly. And so I'm just like, fuck, like I'm thinking now we're losing the money for our Airbnb and stuff in, um, in Mexico city and then our flights. And then it's fucking up the rest of our trip. And then now we're like, how do we get back to the United States? Um, so this little thing is ruining the entire trip and I'm freaking out. And we, we got there early enough where it was about two and a half hours ahead of time. So we're looking around to see if there's, you know, a store in the, um, or she's looking on her, her phone to see if there's a store in the, the airport that sells them nothing. Um, and, uh, so we're sitting there arguing with him and I'm like, no, 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 he's fine. He, see, look, he can turn around. He, he's a, uh, he has plenty of room. He's like, no, 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 it's too big. And I was like, look, it's the right dimensions. And he goes and he gets a measuring tape and it wasn't the right dimensions apparently because the Mexico uh, regulations are a little bit smaller. Um, so I guess American dogs are a little bit fatter and need some more room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, 
So we, we kind of like are arguing with him for a while and he goes in the back and he comes back out and he goes, okay, we've talked to the, the ground or the, um, the flight crew and we're leaving it up to them. So we're just letting you know, there's a possibility if you get up there to the gate and they are in the plane and they say he can't fly, then you guys can't fly and you're, you're out your money or whatever, you know, you can't rebook or anything. And we're like, all right, all right, let's take a chance. So, you know, they, uh, they give us the paperwork and everything. And so now we're like running through the airport, looking for a store that has a carrier in it. I'm looking on, um, uh, Petco and Cancun to see if they have one that I can order on. Uh, like they have, uh, this thing called Rappy that they'll, they'll go in the, it's little motorcycle guys and they'll pick stuff up from stores for you. And it's not open or they, I can't remember one wasn't open. The other one, they were out of stock and I'm just like, I'm shaking. Like, I feel like I've had like 10 cups of coffee. Cause uh, you know, it's that like kind of aha moment where we're waiting in line, um, to board the plane. And, um, and so like, I don't know if they're going to let him on or not. And I don't know if it's going to be the person at the, the counter that takes your ticket to let you onto the plane or if it's the flight attendant in the plane. So I don't know who's like making this call. And so when we're going, we're in line, we're going up there and I'm just telling Alexa, I'm like, get him on the other side. You know, when you have a bag that's a little bit too big and you're, you're trying to put it on the other side of the agent so they don't see it. And uh, so we're getting up there. And uh, she has him kind of under his arm and you really can't tell it's a dog because it looks like a backpack or I mean, um, kind of a duffel bag type of thing, unless you really look at it. And so we get in and uh, or get up there and they don't say anything to us. And this is at this airport or at this uh, airline. It's one of the ones where you walk onto the tarmac. Mm -hmm. And so we so we were like, okay, we made it past the first one. Get up onto the tarmac, and and this Mexican airline, they board you from the front and the back, and they have those staircases going up. Yeah. And we're in the back because uh, we got the cheap seats, so we're like in the far back, and we're going up to the uh, the stairs. And I'm like, just put him behind you. I'll stand right in front of you. Um, maybe they won't see him, or they won't think he's as big if we're kind of blocking him a little bit. And we get up to the top of the stairs, and the the guy that's like, you know, saying hello to everyone, or you know, the the um, Stuart. He, uh, he turns around to like get somebody some water or something. And when he turns around, we fucking bum rush and just go right through, <laughs> right by him. And we get to our seat and I'm blocking because there's another guy coming down the other way and I'm blocking her. I was like, get him in there, get him in there and put him under the seat. He fit perfectly. Um, but they must've dropped the ball in between. Nobody ever said anything to us. I mean, <laughs> smuggled them on the plane. <laughs> God, you could probably do the same thing with a fucking gun or a kilo of cocaine too. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So, and then, but then we had two more flights, you know, from Mexico city to Cabo and then Cabo to, to Des Moines, Iowa. Um, so when we were in Mexico city, we were running all over going to all these different pet coasts trying to find one. So we found one a little bit smaller that was, close to their regulations and all of our other flights, not a problem at all. So what'd you do with the original one? We, we brought, we brought it here. We had to bring it on to every fucking flight after that. Cause uh, we didn't want to get rid of it. So we're going to sell it on uh, eBay here <laughs> or Facebook marketplace. <laughs> That's right. Fantastic. Yeah. But God, I thought our trip was ruined. I was so scared. <laughs> and the whole time you're on the plane going, Oh man, they're going to turn this son bitch around. If they see that we have this thing on here. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it was one of those things where we're just like, 
Okay. Kind of like when you're waiting for somebody to see if somebody's going to sit in the seat next to you. You're like, is there anybody else coming? Oh, they're closing the doors. They're closing. We're good. We're good. Nobody's next to us. So it's the same thing with them. We're like, okay, all right, we're, we're rolling back. We're good. We're good. We're in the air. <laughs> now you would have felt like shit though. If the pilot came on and says, we have to make an emergency landing. We're 0.4 ounces heavy right now. We don't know why we're heavy. We calculated correctly, but it seems like we're 0.4 ounces and we're going down we're going down <laughs> that's a great story all right uh okay so let's talk to our guest for this week shall we hold up wait a minute let's hear from our sponsors Watkins Law Firm, trial and litigation attorneys. So if it's personal injury, wrongful death, contracts and transactions, landlord and tenant disputes, or just general civil litigation, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC is where you need to go. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, Watkins Law Firm dot LLC. And here's Tyler's tip of the day. In Georgia, if someone doesn't perform under a contract, the usual remedy is money. While in some cases you can have the court order them to perform, usually they won't because indentured servitude is not a thing anymore. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, WatkinsLawFirm.LLC, serving all of Georgia. Next time, talk to Tyler. Are you looking to build a mountain home or a cabin in western North Carolina? You know, you hear me talk about Paradise City all the time and the cabin up in Mineral Bluff. Well, Mac Development Group they are a one-stop shop for all your needs. A full-service design-build real estate developer, and their team handles everything for you. From your land acquisition to designing your custom home to the general contracting and building. They provide your family with the ability to have a one-stop shop and know what your project is and it's delivered on time. Plus, everything is built in this 3D software process that you can see ahead of time to make you kind of ease your tensions as you move forward with this really cool and exciting thing in your life, right? Currently booking for full-time builds, and they need to get folks on the schedule. The folks are you. Reach out to Mac Development Group, macdevelopment.com. That's macdevelopment.com. Also, hit them up on social media, Instagram and Facebook. I'm so happy that so many of you enjoy Nubertese Men's Wellness League's uh, practitioner, Diane Spiva, when she comes on the podcast. I think it's great. You know, I've been going to Nubertese Men's Wellness League in Sandy Springs, Georgia, for well over a year with testosterone maintenance. But they do so much more than that. With a weight loss program, sexual health, pain and joint management, Nubertese Men's Wellness League is a men's wellness facility for guys and guys only. Guys, as you get older, your body starts to break down. There are things that you can control and there are things that you can't control. Just pop into Nubertese Men's Wellness League in Sandy Springs or go online to menswellnessleague.com and schedule a phone call just to see where you're at. It could possibly save your life. That's a true story actually happened to a listener, right? So right now, the Wellness Combine, get it for 99 bucks. That's $200 off the regular pl- uh, price. Plus, mention the BS Podcast and get 10% off that price. But you got to mention the BS Podcast. Go to menswellnessleague.com. Hit that schedule button. Son of a bitch. I just called to say you should subscribe to The Bailey Show, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Nobody is going to save you now. If you like what you hear, then get a full seven days a week plus of new content by subscribing. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. And back to you, Jason. 
It's Shark Week. And the, the, I don't want to say funny, but the ironic, the irony of Shark Week every year, there just always seems to be more shark related stories in the news. I don't know if Discovery has got, (laughs) Discovery has got the, 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 the market on the news like a week prior or what, but, um, one of the, uh, uh, shows one of the hosts this week on Discovery for Shark Week is explorer, adventurer, wildlife biologist. Uh, you've seen him a million different times if you watch any of these types of shows, in which uh, we do. Forrest Galante, who is sporting his official Shark Week shirt as we see it here on our video, right? That's right, Jason. I sure am. <laughs> it's my Shark Week shirt, man. It's Shark Week. I don't have a lot of shark printed clothing, so I got to wear the one and only. I was like, man, this guy, he's got to be making more money than just own one shirt. I was, when I was doing my research, you know, I'm going and watching these different interviews. You're like on Good Morning Sacramento. I'm like, like he's wearing the same shirt. Like, this is so cool. It's just, he's got the same shirt. That's all the guy wears is this one shirt. I'm a one trick pony, Jason. I'm a one shirt guy. You know, Discovery is not paying the bills these days. So I'm wearing what I can afford out here. Uh, so, you, you know, one of your things is, as as a, an explorer, an adventurer, and a biologist, is you like to find animals uh, that you thought were extinct at one point, um, and and you've done that numerous times with yeah. with different animals, which is way cool. So for Shark Week, you know, Tuesday uh, and Wednesday, Tuesday Extinct or Alive Jaws of Alaska, which will premiere at 7 p. East on Discovery. Uh, also, let's not forget Discovery Plus, the app for us cord cutters. You know, we, we watch on Discovery Plus. And then on Wednesday, uh, the 27th year of July, Island of Walking Sharks, which we'll get to here in just a second because that's sure. scarier than all hell. But the Extinct or Alive Jaws of Alaska, run us through that. Yeah, with pleasure. So, you know, my there has, re, just like you said, there seems to be an uptick in media-related shark attacks during the summer and Shark Week. There has been an uptick in marine mammal attacks up in Alaska. So my team and I head up to Alaska to literally dive beneath the ice to see if we can figure out who is responsible for all of these marine mammal attacks. And we know it's not orcas. White sharks aren't supposed to be up there. So we really dig into the science of some of these Arctic sharks to figure out what's going on, who's doing what. And it is a frigid and bone chilling and very fun experience. So you're in the water with these things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. hard to do shark week and stay on, stay dry. That's that's nuts um, to, to go. I mean, I've, I've, I have a buddy that actually went and swam with great white sharks. I said, what were you thinking? And he, and, he, and he said, you have no idea the experience. It's so exhilarating. You know, and I'm like, yeah, because you're scared to death that the thing's going to go through the cage. Uh, and he's like, absolutely. But, you know, you see this. Um, I don't know if it's a migration of these great white sharks from up in the Cape Cod area down the East Coast, North Carolina, off the coast there. They're seeing a lot of great white sharks and eventually getting down to the shark capital, which would be Florida, uh, mine and Nate's old state. Is that the progression? And and, and every year, does it get worse or different, I should say? Uh, No. And I think that that, you know, Jason, I think that that's one of the problems with sort of that sensationalized media is this idea that like shark attacks are on the rise. They're not. You know, it's midsummer. 
It's hot out. We're going to the beach. People are going in the ocean. And anytime more people are in the water, you're more likely to have a human wildlife shark encounter. You know, it's weird how you don't read about a bunch of shark attacks in Cape Cod in February, right? Well, guess who's in the water in February? Nobody. So it's not that it's not that shark attacks are on the rise or sharks are here to get us. It's summertime. People are in the water. The sharks are hunting in shallows because the water's warmer and there's more fish. And that sort of confluence of conditions just leads to human-wildlife interaction. And most of those interactions go without humans ever even realizing they've happened, right? Sharks will swim right by people's legs, right next to them. For probably every one little, like, bump or nip, there's probably 10,000 that we don't even know have happened. And it's just an accident or a little mistake when somebody seems to get bitten or bumped. And, uh, and we blow it up. But but the great white shark is a predator. I mean, it is. It is. It, tell me if I'm wrong here. I mean, you're the expert, but isn't that one of just a handful of animals that will attack a human being for for no reason whatsoever? Well, not for no reason whatsoever. You are right. I mean, uh, white sharks are an apex predator. They're at the top of the food chain. They are incredibly dangerous animals. I don't want to undersell that, but they have absolutely no interest in you or me or anybody that's swimming in the ocean. They're out there looking for fish, looking for seals and sea lions. And when they do bite somebody, it's a mistake. Now, because of their absolutely awesome size and power, sometimes those investigatory bites, those nips where they come up and take a chunk to see if this is food, end up being fatal because, you know, they're 20 feet long and they have these huge jaws and these razor sharp teeth. But they're not out to get us. I, I want to be very clear about that. They're not here hunting people or surfers or swimmers. They're hunting seals and sea lions and fish and making the occasional mistake. Who More attacks with uh, sharks or alligators, you know? Um, I'm, uh, with alligators specifically, it would be sharks. With crocodiles, would be higher. All crocodilians, crocodiles and alligators wrapped into one, it would be crocodiles higher than sharks. Is that because of some of these other countries and people out there, you know, fishing or, you know, poverty kind of stricken and they're out in the water and they just get eaten by the uh, the crocs? Oh, Jason, last year I was in Mozambique and I caught this 17-foot crocodile. They'd eaten 10 people in a month, um, you know, and we had to catch this croc and move him away from this village because he, crocodiles, there are really only a handful of animals, tigers, crocs, polar bears, I think that's the only three that will actively hunt human beings. And sharks are not on that list, you'll hear. I didn't mention sharks. And so this crocodile had figured out, now again, it was a confluence of conditions. This was a crocodile that was living in an area that was overfished. There wasn't a lot of resources for it. It had been overhunted by the local population. And so this crocodile went, I'm hungry. There's people right there, and they're on the menu. And so this this individual animal on my show, Mysterious Creatures, uh, had hunted down 10 different people over the course of a month or two months. I forget the exact timeline. And so we went over there and, and caught this croc and put a GPS tracker on him and moved him very, very far away from that community. But, yeah, no, you know, people are fishing. They're living by the water, and uh, a, croc, a croc's a croc. So you didn't open him up, obviously, if you put a GPS tracker. So how did you know he was the croc? Uh, it was pretty obvious. He was the only one hanging around the village. He was much larger than any of the other crocodiles in the area. Uh, he was, uh, we, there, there's a scene that you can see in my show, if you watch it, where I put out this piece of hippo meat and this build this blind and this decoy. 
and there's like a couple crocs feeding and then this guy comes in and all the other crocs are like f that you know they back <laughs> right up and it's like he's clearly just the alpha in that area like it was very very clear who the boss was uh so you have the extinctor alive jaws of alaska which is going to yeah. be tomorrow and then wednesday the island of walking sharks so i started reading up on this sure and i see this trailer this video footage of a shark not a large shark just a little shark but the damn thing is it's not walking like on two legs but using its <laughs> fins to move around land or rock or whatever it's in uh which is kind of trippy i mean the titles i think a little bit more sensationalized than what it is which is great because i know that's how the entertainment world works that's how we get people to watch. Yeah, I mean, that's part of, you know, I'm part of the problem over here. I'm sensationalizing media so that you'll tune in. But at least when I do it, I'm trying to tell you the sharks are good and we love them and they're cute and cuddly. Um, anyway, regardless of that, yeah, so Island of the Walking Sharks, this is an adventure to Papua New Guinea where three re relatively recently described species of epaulets, these walking carpet sharks, are using their pectoral and pelvic fins to walk around the seafloor, and they choose to do that over swimming. But, but, and this is the big factor here, it's never been proven by science, it's never been video documented that these sharks are actually leaving the water to walk on land in Papua New Guinea and hunt down, you know, small fish and crustaceans and tide pools. And so my team and I went there with this objective, you know, can we find out whether or not these animals are exhibiting this behavior? And, and the truth is, it's not that it's such a rare or unique behavior, it's about conditions, it's about tidal situation. It's about the fact that Papua New Guinea has a violent history, is incredibly uh, geographically difficult to operate in, is remote. You know, it's just, it's a criminally understudied place. And so my team and I specialize in difficult, uh, you know, situations with wildlife like this, went in there hoping to capture this footage. And as you, as you explained, we got to see it. I mean, it was amazing. It's trippy. I mean, really, yeah. really trippy. Because you're sitting there, you're going... You know, this at least this is the vibe that I got. You go, okay, because a lot of animals have morphed into something because of their surrounding conditions. Um, you know, right? So this shark is learning to get from point A to point B by using his 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 fins uh, right. to, to as you know, quote unquote, walk on land. That's fascinating, absolutely fascinating to watch animals morph like that. And do keep in mind, you know, I don't want people at home thinking like, oh, I got to lock the kids up, right? Because the sharks are starting to walk. It's uh, <laughs> This has taken 9 million years for these sharks that are this big, that are pretty low down on the food chain to figure out how to do this behavior. And, what, and what's pretty interesting, Jason, you might like this tidbit, is that a little silver lining to, to climate change here, right? These sharks are so adapted for anoxic, low-oxygen environments, for super high heat and stress because they're able to leave the water, and they've been doing it slowly over 9 million years, that during this sort of era of climate change where things are shifting and, and uh, habitats and ecosystems and temperatures are in a state of flux, these animals are actually thriving. Their range is expanding. We redefine the range of one of these species on our expedition, and uh, they're doing really well because they thrive when it's hot and, and the conditions are rough, and it's it's amazing. 
So keep killing the planet, you planet killers, you non-believers. That's it. Yep, that's it. Nobody recycle. Get out there, drive yep. your car, don't ride a bike, you know, mm-hmm. throw a straw in the ocean, let's go. Yeah, and if you see a, a great white shark one day walking down the street, it's because of you. That's why, all right? <laughs> I, I was, yeah, there's a sound bite that somebody can grab and just really kill me right there, but that's okay. We'll let it ride. <laughs> I, uh, I was telling these guys, I saw, um, I rented this movie or bought the movie um, after reading about it for whatever reason on amazon prime and it's about the uss indianapolis and it's called uss indianapolis men of courage stars nick cage got tom sizemore in it thomas jane i you know drink for being stupid you know and i can consider myself a pretty decent historian but i had no idea about the story of the uss indianapolis of it taking the atomic bomb over and it was a special you know merchant ship a cargo ship and then was sunk but these uh these soldiers these sailors after getting shot and and their boat sank by the japanese are in the water and then like hundreds of them died because of these these sharks 300 yeah 300 soldiers 300 soldiers in the water we're just, you know, sitting ducks, and these yep. sharks were just taking them out. What, what type of sharks were those? So those were believed to be and, and relatively confirmed that it was oceanic white tips, which are large, pelagic, transient sharks that are very, very opportunistic feeders, and they're quite aggressive. I mean, I've been in the water with them a couple different times. And, um, yeah, so like you said, the USS Indianapolis set out. It sank, and, you know, when it sank, that creates a whole lot of sound and noise and acts as an attractant. The, the open ocean is a desert, Jason. There is not much out there, right? People like to think you go out into the open ocean. I'm not talking about the coral reefs and the coastal ocean. I'm talking about the open ocean. It is a desert. There is nothing for many, many miles around. And so when something happens, when there's an event like a ship sinking or an explosion or anything like that, it draws in the attention of the creatures from far and wide because it is such a desert. And it's, it's interesting to see what's going on. And so anyway, US at Indianapolis, USS Indianapolis went down, 300 men were in the water. And over the course of a night, 300 people were attacked and pretty much ripped to shreds by these sharks. Now I'm not telling you this to fear monger. What I'd like to explain is that those animals likely went into a state of frenzy, something that we call hen house syndrome in the scientific world. And the idea is Think of a fox that gets into a chicken coop or a hen house. It's so surrounded by bait that its predator brain takes over its intellectual brain and it goes, I need to kill, I need to eat, and it kind of really slow itself down. Now, that fox may do that for five or ten of your 50 chickens, but if you've got five foxes doing that and they're all competing with each other, then you just sort of get into this frenzied whirlwind state where nothing slows down. And so the belief is with the USS Indianapolis sinking – in came some oceanic white tips. You know, people started to panic. One or two took a nibble, took a bite. And then there was this massive panic, blood in the water, screaming chaos. And that led to this frenzied state. Because if you act like prey, Jason, this is a good tip for anybody that ever encounters a shark. If you act like prey, animals are going to treat you like prey. Okay? So if you start panicking and freaking out and sh- shrieking, you're going to have a negative interaction because there goes the shark with his predator brain going, oh, this thing's scared of me. It must be food. Um, and so, you know, what happened was in a single night, 300 people were eaten by by these oceanic white tips. That's crazy. Have you ever been in the water and had to change your, you know, your, your mindset and go, I'm not prey. It's just me versus this shark. I've got to, I've got to, 
you know, stand down, shark, stand down. You can do something like oh, that. Oh, many times, many times. I, I, I will come on here and confidently say that if I hadn't fought the mental urge to run from a couple situations, I'm sure I would have died by now because I've had tiger sharks come on full speed trying to attack me. And my, your, your gut instinct is like back up, you know, like get away. And you have to fight every urge to do that and swim right at them aggressively and push them against the nose and say, Hey, I'm the boss here. You know, you're not here to eat me like back off. And, uh, it's a hard thing to train yourself to do. And I, I remember very, very distinctly the first time that I ever had to do that in a, in a tough situation. And it took every ounce of my being to turn towards the shark instead of run away from it. I bet you that gets confusing and real. Are you married? You married guy? I am. I yeah. am. Yeah. I mean, you take that same attitude with your wife. It probably doesn't work as well, huh? Yeah, it's weird when I push her on the nose uh, because dinner's not ready. She just gets mad at me. I can't figure out why. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, "I'm the apex predator in this house." Kid. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, Nate, you got a question for Forrest? Yeah, I know you're on Naked and Afraid, and I've always wondered on that show, like, what is the like, what was the worst part of the, the show? Like, are you just getting eat up by bugs? Is it worrying about getting a boner? Like, what's the, like, what was the worst part about being in the wild naked? Yeah, good question. It's definitely not the boner, man. It's pretty disgusting. Like, it doesn't matter how hot your partner is. You're pretty over it after, like, 30 seconds. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's just the exposure. It's just the constant, like, I mean, imagine just sitting even in your in your room there with your shirt and pants off all day. You'd be like, all right, you know, like, my nipples are tired of this air, you know, like I had enough. And, uh, and that's kind of what happens on naked afraid. It's just the constant exposure, whether it's sun, heat, wind, cold, cold is a big factor, regardless of where you are and not having that first line of defense, that, that, that clothing, that first shelter on you, it sucks. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just that, that first, the, the, just that relentless exposure that was just like pretty annoying. That's how it all started for you. Right. When you went on naked and afraid and then, you got this huge survival rating, and then you ended up becoming the Forrest Galante that you are today, right? I mean, yes and no. I, I certainly don't want to discredit my, my you know, five seconds of fame that came from Naked and Afraid that helped launch this full-fledged career. But I was a wildlife biologist long before Naked and Afraid. I was an academic. I was very well studied in the field of biology, and I was already actively pursuing a career, you know, I was, I was a biologist. I wasn't pursuing a career in biology. I was a biologist and I was doing my very best to communicate passion and love of wildlife. And then when naked afraid happened, this is kind of a fun story for you, Jason and Nate. Um, you know, I was working full-time as a biologist. I was working on the California channel islands, which are right over there. And, uh, I, I thought like I was making a difference, right? I was publishing papers. I was grinding hard and, uh, I published a paper. It took about two years to come out. And when that paper came out, it got 400 reads. Okay. 400 reads by like-minded scientists who already knew the subject matter. And it, and that's a good number, by the way, for the scientific world. Okay. When my naked and afraid episode air, 4 million people saw me jiggling my junk around. All right. And I, I right then and there, I was like, there's a big difference between 400 and 4 million. And that was the very night I called my boss. I quit my job as, as, a, as a biologist on the islands. I told my wife, I have to figure out how to communicate the thing that I'm passionate about, which is not running around the jungle naked. It's, it's conservation and wildlife with this big audience. And so that was the decision that was made right then and there. And it took three and a half years from that night 
of grinding and living on my wife's part-time teacher salary and doing everything I could to get a wildlife show on television. That's fantastic. That's such a great story. Uh, <laughs> Thank when, you. When you, I got another naked and afraid question. You know, when the, the beginning of the show, you know, they have the guy and they get on the, the truck or whatever, they drop off and then the female drops like, what was your mindset? You're like, okay, I'm not going to stare at her boobs. I'm not going to stare down below the waist. I'm going to stare at her eyes and just pretend like she had clothes on. Polar opposite. I'm like, I'm going to lay it all out on the line. <laughs> you know, I got nothing to hide. I'm not going to be, because there, I don't know if you've seen that show, man. 99% of the people, and I haven't watched it in a while, but they're awkward. And they do this like butt out hug and like, hey, like high five while I cover my genitals. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not me. That's not me. I'm going to go hard the other way. So I came out full party boy, just <laughs> like just jiggling it, laying it all on the line. That reception was cold. That was met with crickets. But regardless, I was like, you know what? I'm putting it out there. I'm not hiding. I'm going to check her out head to toe. You know, I got nowhere to hide anything. So if something happens, it happens. I'm just going to let that flag fly. And fortunately, nothing of that sort popped up pun intended and um we're we were good but yeah you know i just i wasn't gonna hide anything <laughs> that's fantastic brandon do you have a question for Forrest? uh yeah so that's pretty cool the sharks are like starting to walk on land uh is there another evolutionary trait like with an animal just like holy shit i can't believe this animal went from this and now it can do that the sharks are incredible right and so is all wildlife and so much of it is evolving and changing and rather, our understanding of these organisms is incredibly limited. So I'm giving you a very broad answer. But, you know, there are sharks that can fly. You know, these sharks that jump out of the water. There are sharks that can walk on land. There are sharks that see in spectrums of color that we don't even understand. Okay, there are sharks that reproduce completely asexually. They never need to have sex. They can create a clone of themselves. There are sharks that can have sex and retain that sperm for years and just make offspring after offspring after offspring without mating again. And the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, they're just fascinating animals. They've been, Brandon, they've been on this planet for longer than trees, okay? Think about that. Like, yeah. these are old creatures, and they are fantastic. Is there a shark species from the prehistoric era like the megalodon that do you think that still exists no you know i'm not i'm not big at the whole like bigfoot tinfoil hat loch ness monster kind of thing i'm really not so i i you know there are sharks that are millions of years old that are still around today and the reason is they sort of reach their pinnacle of necessity to evolve like they're perfect so it's like why change it's like crocodiles right we were talking about crocodiles before hmm. they haven't changed for like 160 million years they don't need to. They're perfect. Like they do everything they need to in their environment. They can go months without food. They can sleep when they can't find food. They can kill at will. I mean, they can store. They're, they're amazing. And there are shark species, you know, and the list is long. There's like a thousand shark species that we know about nowadays. And so there are shark species that are like that. They just haven't changed for millions of years because they don't need to. So that's, I guess that's, that's my way of saying to you, like, there aren't these like crazy dinosaur sharks running around because they, they, or there aren't these missing dinosaur sharks that we don't know about because sort of all sharks are like that. Yeah. But there are species. I mean, again, you're, you're the, you're the pro at this is finding species that we thought were extinct. And, you know, I, I remember as a kid, we used to read this thing called a weekly reader. And there was a story about how, at the, the, the bottom, the depths of the ocean that we haven't discovered, which is plenty of that out there, 
that there were prehistoric animals that still lived there. Yeah. And I'll never forget reading that. And I believed it, you know, I mean, for like, I'm 47. So like 40 some years, you know, I'm well, going, it's possible. Well, let me explain this, Jason. And this is what's so interesting. Okay. Until about, I want to say 25 years ago. And don't quote me on that. Our entire understanding of life was based around energy from the sun. Okay, we believe that all life required energy from the sun. That is the sparker, the igniter that created life. Regardless of whether you're a deep sea creature or not, that life was founded by sun energy. And what I mean by that is those animals would conduct a vertical migration or food would fall from the surface, which was based around the light and based around the sun. And so those deep sea creatures could eat it. And 25 or so years ago, we figured out that deep down in the bottom of the ocean, there are these hydrothermal vents where heat is created by volcanic activity and their entire ecosystems down there, not single creatures, full ecosystems with hundreds of creatures, hundreds of species that can exist based on the energy put out from hydrothermal vents and volcanic activity. Till 25 years ago, we didn't even know that that was possible. We're like, oh, all life is based because of the sun. And now we're like, oh, well, it turns out there's like entire giant ecosystems of life under the ocean founded by volcanic activity. So, you know, that's just like a little look into how much, how little we actually know about life as we think we know about it. So you're saying that the idea that there's another civilization that lives in the core of the earth is possible. That's what you're saying. It is probable (laughs) is my statement. No, that's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm just saying that it's our, every single year, every few years, We completely change what we think we know about the world and life and science and everything else. And science is an ongoing learning and understanding and evolution of ideas and concepts, right? It's not a static thing. And so what's awesome about my job and and people like myself is that we get to contribute to that. Yeah. Is is there anything that uh, your wife has not been a big fan of you doing? Oh man. Yeah. But we're not going to get into that. (laughs) All of it. Yeah. No, she's uh, no, no, no. I I wouldn't say that. She's very understanding. She's extremely supportive. She hates it when I come home with a new shark bite scar and there's 12 (laughs) stitches in my arm, you know, or she hates it when she's, she hates that I still play rugby. You want me to talk seriously with you here, Jason? She (laughs) hates the fact that I still play rugby. I'm an old man now. You know, I got tons of gray in this beard and I'm running around out there with 22 year olds, getting my butt kicked every Saturday that I'm at home and then whinging about it until basically the following Saturday when I do it again. I said, what's the matter with you? Like, why are you still playing a full on contact sport? You're old, you're broken. You're not even very good at it anymore. Like what the hell are you doing? So that's my teapot. Sorry, it's a lot of fun here today. By the uh, way, by the way, you're welcome for that that question because it sounds like you've been wanting to say that for a very long time and had no I one to say it to. Vent. You know, I had training last night. My shoulders sore, but I can't say anything because I'll hear all about it. So you know, I needed to vent. You guys are my my platform this morning. I get it, brother. I totally get it. Um, so before we go back and, and then finish up with the Shark Week stuff, uh, because there's so much more, uh, Shark Week has become Americana. It's tradition. You like, you have to watch it. I want to, I want to, I want to visit in detail the, some of the animals that you've successfully, you know, you've captured it on camera. You've got this, that we as a, as a society thought that they were, they were gone, but you have been able to hunt them down. Give us some examples of, of some of those animals. Yeah, you know, my team and I were, were really lucky, and luck's not the right word. We put in so many hours of hard work and 
you know, two years ago, I think it was, I spent 300, uh, yeah, 300 nights in a tent, right? That's a lot of nights in a tent in a single year. And um, so we are, we have uncovered the ongoing existence of eight animals previously lost to science. Four of those are sharks, by the way, um, and the other four are terrestrial animals. And so that includes the Zanzibar leopard, the Miller's grizzled langur, also known as the Dracula monkey, the real Apoporus caiman, of which we found an entire population, the Fernandina Island tortoise, and then four very unique uh, small shark species that were completely lost to science, one for over 130 years. And, um, you know, it's it's been amazing. And it it's one of those things that once something's labeled extinct, everybody gives up, right? It's like, it's gone. It's, it's done. Like, why would it still be there? But it's sort of arrogant to assume that we have looked everywhere and we know everything and we can tell you definitively that something's gone, especially in these remote locations where science is very rarely taking place. And so, yeah, my team and I have had the good fortune of uncovering eight different animals now. Makes me sad to, to know that we're living, well, like a person can be living in this world and experience uh, an extinction of a creature. I mean, something as silly as uh, an article I was reading, the monarch butterfly is, yeah. I guess, on the extinction list. And, you know, you grow up, you know, not that I'm a big butterfly guy, but still, it's a butterfly. You know, you think butterflies you, are going to be You strike like... me as a big butterfly guy. <laughs> yeah. Butter, I can imagine you at, like, ultra with the wings and the little <laughs> bikini, and, yeah, that looks like you. Um, <laughs> I've got tattoos of butterfly wings. So if I take my shirt off, I'm lying. You're right. I'm yeah, that adds up. Okay. Yeah. But that's tramp stamp. But that's that's sad to me to know that you know and, and, you know as our kids get bigger, you tell them stories of oh when I was a kid there was these things called butterflies. I mean that's so horrible, right. Right? right? No, I mean the monarchs are in severe decline. It is sad, you know. Even just and this is anecdotal, of course, but I have a two and a half year old son now, right? I live in Santa Barbara, California, beautiful place, and we have this grove of eucalyptus trees just down the road from my house that when I was in, in college, early days of college, even late high school, we'd go there and see a million butterflies in the trees, the monarchs on their migration. I've taken my two-and-a-half-year-old to that grove twice trying to show him what I experienced, and he goes, look, Daddy, a butterfly, you know, and he sees one to ten butterflies, and there used to be trees just covered in them. And I know that's that's observational and anecdotal, but regardless, it's, it's a sad thing to witness, and it's a sad thing to be a part of. And, you know, what, what I – and by the way – just digest, chew on this for a second, guys. 2,000 species of flora and fauna go extinct every single year at our current extinction rate. 2,000. Wow. Wow. Not one or two, not like, hey, what a bummer, we lost that bug. 2,000 organisms are being wiped off the face of this planet due to human activity every single year. So it's a crazy number. And, you know, my whole thing is, like, I'm going to do everything I can to slow that down, to prevent that, whether that's bring them back from extinction, put protections in place, work with human-wildlife conflict, work with animals like these walking sharks, which are incredibly sort of understudied and need attention and exposure. So just do what I can. I see a uh, hand raised by Nate, uh, a digital yeah. a digital emoji hand. Nate, I've never Clark. seen that before. I, I didn't know if I was supposed to like high five the screen or what was going on there. Yeah, for I was curious. What what are your thoughts on these animals that may be extinct? Um, using science to intervene and bring them back, like through DNA, is that something you're against, or, or for, depending on what it is, whether if it's human uh, humans causing them to be extinct, or if it's just natural, you know, evolution of uh, animals being extinct 
Nate, I'm in. The, I'm sort of in the gray on that. And what I mean by that is, it's not a black and white matter. It's not a should we put in money and bring animals back or shouldn't we? Right? If we as a species, human beings, have caused recent extinction events, the thylacine, for example, the passenger pigeon, uh, the great auk, things like that, where we have actively wiped out these organisms, then I think doing our best to bring them back to repair a damaged food web or ecosystem is a good idea because ultimately it's going to make for a healthier environment. Now, I don't think we should be Jurassic Parking at all, right? I don't think we need to have T-Rexes and woolly mammoths running around. I don't agree with that. And, and the problem with the science is it's kind of a, like, where does it end, right? Once we go, yeah, cool, like we can bring this critter back, well, then why wouldn't we bring back a Tyrannosaurus Rex? And I mean, you know, we've all seen the movie, so we know the implications. But my point is like, these resources are good if they're repairing something that we've damaged, right? If we as humans have made this fatal mistake of eradicating from something from the planet, which has created a giant shift in the food web or altered the ecosystem, then yeah, we should repair that. At the same time, it's kind of like all these billionaires racing to space. It just pisses me off because I'm like, fix what's fix what we got. Quit jumping to the next problem, right? Don't jump to the extinct animals and go, all right, I'm going to put in millions of dollars, billions of dollars of bringing them back. How about saving the rhinos, right? Like we're in a position and I'm not talking about like less iconic, tiny little animals. I'm talking about rhinoceros, right? Right now, if things continue the way they are, guys, I'm never going to get to show my kid what a rhinoceros looks like. Okay. And that's freaking insane, you know, to say that in this world, in this day and age, and yet we're racing to space and we're worried about bringing back do dodo birds. It's like, come on, guys, you know, like, wake up. Let's use those money, that money the right way. Is, it, is the rhino problem because of poachers or clients? Yeah, yeah poachers. it is because of Eastern medicine and the desire for rhino horn, which, of course, has proven to have absolutely no medicinal effects. It's the same thing that's in our fingernails. And, um, and yeah, they're being poached to extinction. So is there, is there like a, a wildlife war in some of these countries where, um, like you have one side that goes after the poachers and there's an all out battle? Oh yeah. Big time. I mean, in Southern Africa where I'm from, you know, that is incredibly dangerous to be a game ranger. You know, if you, it, it's all run by, you know, the African equivalent of cartels, it's all gang related. And these, these, the value, I mean, think about this. You're a guy who probably makes, and I'm making all these figures up, 250 US dollars a year, and a single rhino horn is worth a million bucks, right? You can't even feed your family, but if you can get a rhino horn, you're retiring, right? And so it's, it's, it's supply and demand. The market is driven by the price of these things because they're rare and because they're illegal. And it's all like mafia affiliated and mafia run. It's incredibly dangerous. These rhino poachers have the latest and greatest spy vision equipment, tech, night vision, thermal, drones, crazy assault rifles, everything to take out poachers so that they can get their quarry. And the poachers are in a war with the, with the game rangers. And it's just like the whole thing's just a goddamn mess. Uh, have you been out there and seen some of these battles? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't been, like, on the front lines. Like, I've never been in one of the shootouts, but I have good friends, Ivan Carter, to name one, and a whole bunch more who have been shot, who have been through it, who have been right in the trenches on these wildlife wars. And it's, uh, it's crazy that we sort of just stick our head in the sand and go, yeah, I, I don't know. That's happening over there, whatever. Uh, is, that, is that mainly in Africa? I mean, Africa is a big part of it. Asia is certainly experiencing it, but it's it's truly a global problem nowadays. Um, you know, we have it right here in North America. Our freshwater turtles 
are being poached like crazy for the pet trade and being shipped off to Asia, um, which is just insane because all of a sudden there's this giant spike in keeping turtles, right? I'm talking about turtles that we see in our ponds, guys, when we like go for a jog down the street. They're disappearing because people are grabbing them and shipping them out for pets. Really? It's a, crazy. That's it's nuts. But then you're you're the crazy guy when you go, hey, guys, we need to save the rhinoceros. We need to save the turtle because it just sounds silly to probably the guys in the suits and ties, right? Yes and no. You know, I've been fortunate. I've testified in, co- in front of Congress. I've spoken to the United Nations. You know, I, 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 I've, li- I've attempted to have my voice heard by those guys in suits and ties. And I think it's made a difference, you know, and I'll keep doing it as long as I can, hoping that it'll make a difference. But, you know, where I think it really makes a difference is not speaking to the stuffy congressman on, in, on Capitol Hill, but rather, like, if I go into my Instagram right now, guys, and pull up my Instagram messages, since it's 8.30 in the morning, since the day started, I probably have 20 to 30 new messages from kids going, I've changed my major because of you. I'm studying biology now. I'm working at a zoo. I'm volunteering at an animal shelter. And I think that's what's going to make a difference. Is what, and, not, and I don't mean me. I mean when enough people decide that these problems matter and that there's a, a world in which we can fix it, I think once the general population grasps onto it, then we're in a good state of mind. But right now, we're sort of too self-involved and wrapped up in politics and this and that, you know, and worried about ourselves and not worried about the planet. It's funny. You and I have so much in common. I go through my Instagram messages and I'll have maybe five or six of people saying that they're not going to do get into radio or podcasting <laughs> because of me. Yeah, one of those is from me. I sent that right before the show. Just so you know. yeah. <laughs> All right, again, uh, so you got tomorrow, Tuesday, Extinct or Alive, Jaws of Alaska. Again, this is Discovery, 7 p.m. East. Uh, and then Wednesday, Island of Walking Sharks. Can you tell us some other things because isn't it like uh you got shack and the rock uh every there's a lot of people involved in shark week this week or this year right always i mean shark week's crazy we got we got the rock he's the master of ceremonies which uh, is a fur is a new thing for shark week he's sort of kicking it off five nights of the week uh the rock is sort of hosting shark week which is really fun who doesn't love the rock right. uh, you know there's all kinds of good sharks there's some of the some of the staples for Shark Week, like Air Jaws and Monster Mako and some of the stuff that people love seeing. We've got some new stuff like uh, Pig versus Shark, an island in the Bahamas where pigs swim and sharks are coming in to eat them. Of course, my two shows, I always do sort of unique and different shows focusing on lesser-known sharks. Um, it's just a great week, man. It's Shark Week. It's, it's a staple. It's been around for 34 years. So you're saying that, what is it, Exuma, right? The, 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 Correct. The, the pig. Yep. Yeah, I've been there. It's it's not yeah. as. By the way, if you've never been, it's not as cool as the pamphlets. It's it's in those those <laughs> those, those, those pigs are mean. They bite, they bite. you. Oh, they, they bite. Yeah. One bit my wife right on her butt. Yeah, that's what they do. They bite <laughs> your ass, and they're they're yep. not. And, and it's disgusting because they're 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 going to the bathroom in the water that you're swimming in. It, it's kind of sloppy. It's, yeah, it's a bit of a mess. It's it's horrible. So you're saying that now. The sharks are like, oh, why aren't we going over there? The pigs are in the water. This is delicious. I, you know, I'm not involved in that production, so I don't know the full details of it. But my understanding is that is the query. And they think the tiger sharks are figuring it out and going there and getting themselves a nice side of bacon. Well, that's going to kill that uh, tourist spot. I can tell you that Very right quickly. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, we go down to the Bahamas every year, and I love the water. I grew up on the water. And, and, you know, we'll go and we'll do snuba and we'll do, you know, snorkeling and this and this and that. 
And sure. every year, you know, I, I came face to face with a moray eel and I'd never done that before. And it was, I was just snorkeling and the damn thing is just, you know, waving in the water and he's looking at me. And of course they've got one look that resting bitch face of, totally. you know, and I'm going, <laughs> and <laughs> unlike the advice you gave earlier, we're not to be like the prey. I was the prey and I get on my right. back and I start doing my flippers and, <laughs> you know, and then there's a barracuda and then the stingrays and all that kind of stuff. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. All right. Uh, Forrest Galante, you're great. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, get you back on, talk about some more stuff when you have some time and uh, nothing but the best for you. Keep doing what you're doing. Save the animals, save the planet. You got to, we're, 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 we're team Galante. I'll tell you that. Right Love now. it. Thank team. you guys. Thanks for having me. And best of luck with shark week. All right, buddy. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. See ya. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. You want to know when the best time to upgrade your house? Always. Always a good idea. It's great for your property value, especially if you're in the business of trying to sell it right now. And definitely the kitchen and definitely the bath. UCI Kitchen and Bath, that's where you need to be. They've been Atlanta's number one cabinet, granite, and quartz fabricator, plus installer for the past 20 years. Extremely fair prices, quality of work, excellent service. Uh, sets them apart from their competitors in their industry, which is a busy, busy industry. So if you want to visit the showroom located in Norcross, Georgia, right there, you can see their cabinets, you can see the granite, you can see the countertops, you can see the quartz, you can see the marble, you can see the quartzite, and you can watch them cut it there too. It's a one-stop shop as UCI Kitchen and Bath also provides the installation on whatever you buy. Let's save you some cash. Mention the BS, you get 10% off regular priced countertops. So, save some money. Mention the Bailey Show podcast, 10% off regular priced countertops. UCIGranite.com. David Hawks of Rockland Contracting's phone has been ringing off the hook from you two percenters that want a new deck design and build. Well, that's a good thing, and David Hawks welcomes all those phone calls. He's tied up, really. He's slammed, but he's going to get you in some point or another. You just got to give David Hawks a call at Rockland Contracting and see when he can get you in. You know, things change. Schedules change. 678-879-3867. He is also hiring. He's paying pretty good if you've got experience with deck design and or build. Also remember, specializes in basement remodel, new HVAC installation, uh, interior and exterior painting. So he's bringing your vision to life to stay within your budget. He's got this amazing software where you'll see your brand new deck before it's even built. RocklandContractingLLC.com. That's RocklandContractingLLC.com. Or call 678-879-3867. Help you help your business get to the next level. And you do that by incorporating create graphics in there. Whether it's vehicle wraps, corporate events you might be having, interior, exterior events, graphic design and apparel. Create Graphics is a full-service graphics company that specializes in graphic design, wide format printing, and graphic installation. Excellent customer service where every project is going to get that one-on-one -on -one experience from start to finish. CreateGraphics.net, C-R-E-A-T-E-G-R-A-P-H-I-X.net. Or you can call 770-369-9962, 770-369-9962. Son of a bitch. I'll be loving you forever, just as long as you subscribe to The Bailey Show. Nobody is going to save you now. If you like what you hear then get a full 7 days a week plus of new content by subscribing.
podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. And back to you, Jason. Big thanks to Mac Development Group for presenting this episode of the BS. If you would like to build your dream cabin or mountain home in Western North Carolina, get a hold of the fine folks at Mac Development Group. Let them be your one-stop shop. Currently booking for fall-time builds, and their team handles everything for you. From your land acquisition to design to general contracting and building. Literally just a phone call that you have to make. Uh, But start on their website, macdevelopment.com. M-A-C-K development.com. So have you guys seen the, uh, it's, it's kind of a viral, it's a split. It's an interesting, interestingly split viral discussion about these Bruce Springsteen concert tickets. Like there's, they're, they're getting ridiculously expensive. Like some of these tickets are going for over $10,000 And I like Bruce Springsteen. Don't get me wrong, but the fuck if I'm paying $10,000 to go see Bruce Springsteen, I mean, I, as an artist, I would be disgusted to know that I'm taking $10,000 out of the pocket of a fan to come see me perform. You know, I mean, I know everything is going up. Prices are going up. I get it. And we have to just kind of live by it until it gets fixed. Whenever that may be, who knows? Um, But $10,000 for a concert ticket is, is, I mean, I don't care who you are. I mean, maybe Jesus Christ unplugged. I'd go see for $10,000. But I'm not going to see Bruce Springsteen for $10,000. There's the side that says, what the fuck, Bruce? Why are you charging so much money? Then it's the other side that says he's in such high demand. He's got no control. It's the venue that's upcharging because Bruce Springsteen is in such high demand to see. Again, I like Bruce Springsteen. I didn't think he was that high demand of an artist that prices would skyrocket to $10,000. I know I don't even have to ask you guys if you'd pay $10,000 to see him because I know what the answer is, but and I'm guessing I know the answer that there's no, there's no one worth $10,000, right, Nate? No, not that, that I know of or that I would pay to see. I, I wouldn't pay $1,000 to see anybody. I mean, that's just way too much money, but I do think a lot, it's maybe not all on the artists. Like you were saying, it's the venues or the third party ticket people. You know, there's the, there's groups that buy up a bunch of tickets and then jack up the prices and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would be upset as an artist. I think they should crack down on that somehow. I don't know what they would have to do. Maybe it's just business, but I, I would be upset about that. He's opening up his tour in the U S on February one in Tampa. And uh, while some fans are mad, the most expensive section is nearly sold out. Some seats are shy of $11,300 without taxes and fees. Without. Um, the cheapest tickets are behind the stage in the most elevated sections starting at $179. $179. dollars Behind the stage at the very top. Oh, so they don't turn around? No, <laughs> you have no. to back them the whole time. Yeah, I've never yeah. gone to Tampa's Amali Arena. Yeah, know. what is? Yeah, that? that's um, that's where the Lightning play. You've been there. We saw Motley Crue there. Oh, that's the it's the old Ice Palace. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. I've been yeah. there numerous times. Then I saw Poison there my freshman year in high school. I had the last seat in the house. My brother drove me up there in his beat up red Ford Escort. I was wearing black guest jeans and a black tank top and black boots. 
Yeah. Skechers. And we, uh, <laughs> we went to go see Poison and Slaughter. And we got there just at the end of Slaughter. Up all night, sleep all day. And we had literally, we had the last seat in the house. Like I put my back against the arena. Like that's how that's how high it was. <laughs> oh man, nosebleeds. <laughs> and later that night, we couldn't get back into our country club community because we were driving home at like three thirty in the morning, and we looked like scummers. <laughs> and they were like, they had to call my mom and wake her up and be like, "Do you know these guys?" <laughs> like, yeah, they're my kids. Center floor <laughs> tickets are even cheaper than the left stage seats. They fluctuate from around a thousand bucks. However, it only gets worse. I mean, it just keeps going. I've, I've been on this concert run lately, and I try to pick my shots of asking for tickets. You know, I still have connections for tickets, and I still can get tickets, um, but I don't want to go to the well too much, you know, because I don't really have anything to offer them. That's just how the business is. You know, as a radio personality, you get tickets because you talk about them on the radio. You give them free publicity, term I use it loosely, and, you know, you go to the show. I've always thought that radio personalities should get the best seats, one of the best seats in the house, because they are talking about the show. You want them to talk about the show. You want them to talk. And back in the day, it used to be like that. Back in the 90s, it was like that. You know, you, you get tickets for everything. And then it, then it changed almost overnight. Like, the, the 2004 thing changed everything. You know, the, the gigs were far and few between to get out in front of a, a crowd with a microphone. That's why I like doing this tennis tournament. Um, that I'm doing this week at Atlantic Station is because, you know, it, it, it fills that void of me working a crowd and, and they allow me to do that. They send me out there early, you know, and then I got to tighten up when I'm on TV. And by the way, I'm on TV all week um, on the tennis channel. If anybody wants to watch it. Stocho? No, ESPN's not there this year. We got the oh. we got the tennis channel though. Every day I'm on the tennis channel. I just had now, but I don't I don't have it. On, I, I've got to I've got to buy it. I've got to buy the app. It's a it's a hundred nine hundred nine ninety nine for the year for the tennis channel. God almighty! Well, tennis, do, do they show tennis year round, or, mm-hmm. or is it like tennis classics when it's like off season? They, they've got a. Uh, They've they've got those, but I mean, for the most part, there's tennis year round. You know, they're, yeah. They're, I mean, it's a worldwide sport, so when it's cold somewhere, they're they're playing in the warm weather somewhere else. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, you know, but I'm like, do I want to pay a hundred nine dollars and ninety nine cents? But that's for the year. So if you break it down, it's less than ten bucks a month. Yeah, it's like Netflix. Exactly. Yeah, it's just they they tell you the hundred nine dollars because I'm guessing you get like a discount. So you know, I, I I've got no problem paying for content. Because that's just the way the world is, right? I mean, that's that's the new form of entertainment. We ask our subscribers to pay four ninety nine a month. We work very hard for your four dollars and ninety nine cents. I promise you that, and we are extremely appreciative of that. Now, I know some people don't mind hearing the commercials, which is fine. You're not getting all the episodes. Actually, I think we're going to change that up a little bit for the subscribers. Nate and I have been talking about that. Um, some of the subscribers have brought up some really good points. So we're listening to you, and, and, and we're going to make some adjustments. But, you know, I'm going to pay the 190 One, I want to see, you know, I want some video of me doing my thing. You know, I don't know how to record it, though. How do I record it? Um, how is, is it an app or is it like, a, is it a TV app or yeah, how, how would you it's play a, it? It's, it's not on YouTube TV. It's on an app. Yeah, I don't know then. I mean... 
Yeah, I guess it would be up to the app then. If it's an add-on for YouTube TV, you can just de- you know add it to your DVR. But if it's their standalone app, I guess you'd have to see if they have a feature like that. Hmm. Or you just or you just do old school and you set up a, a camcorder in front of the TV on a tripod. Do you have Do you have cable, Brandon? Yeah. Uh huh. So you have tennis channel. Uh, do I? What channel is it on? Well, Directv it was two seventeen. What do you have? Comcast Dish. Uh, Spectrum. Spectrum. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's on there. Would you it up? Would you DVR it for me, please? Yeah, yeah, I'm looking on my phone right now to see if we got it. And if you DVR it, then I don't know how you get it off of it, but I'm sure you'll find it. No, you just have to go to his house and watch it. <laughs> yeah, want to come over. <laughs> I kind of need it for my files. <laughs> so I, I don't mind coming over, Brandon, but I do. Eventually, I'm going to need it myself. <laughs> I'm, Brandon, I'm coming over. We're getting ready to watch 28 hours of me doing <laughs> 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 There you are. There you are. There you are. <laughs> you can hear my voice. That's, that's one. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But if you're watching this tournament on TV, you know, outside of me doing the post-game interviews, which are nothing really that special, to be honest with you. It's like, so what were some of the keys to the match? <laughs> that sportsy type of conversation. I try to, you know, if I know the guy, uh, I'll, I'll try to get it in, you know, we'll have a little bit more fun. But for the most part, they they want me to keep it as, uh, as lily white as possible. Uh, but when I'm introducing the players, you just hear my voice. They don't do a camera on me. And you'll just hear this growl in the background that just <laughs> overtakes everything. It's like, all right, there is John Isner. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck am I watching right now? <laughs> He'll be right over with his VCR and a VHS tape. That that's my that's my catchphrase in the tournament. I said, that right there is. And then I pause. <laughs> that right there is. And I have this big long pause. John is there. <laughs> Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> <laughs> very, awesome. very, very, very exciting. Uh, so anyway, back to the, the money thing. Bruce, like, what's what's the limit on tickets that, you, that you're willing to pay, Nate? I guess it depends on where the seats are. And, you know, you're probably in the same position as I am. Like, we haven't, you know, bought a lot of tickets over the years unless it's something that we really wanted to see and they just weren't available, you know, through, uh, you know, our connections or the radio station. Um, but, yeah, it depends on where they're at. I mean, I'd pay, if it's like a meet and greet, you know, I don't know what they usually are, 100, 150 bucks or something. Huh, yeah, right. Think, they're, they're charging, like, new kids on the block were charging, like, a $1,500 for a meet and greet. Oh, no. Well, I've, I've never seen that, anything that much. I guess, yeah, if they're, you know, old pop stars or something, then maybe they are like that. But, yeah, like, the country artists, I think they're usually, like, 100, 150 bucks. To, but that's on top of your ticket also. Um, but... Yeah, even when I would buy my own seats in Atlanta, uh, I would just get the lawn. So it was usually like, you know, 20 to 50 bucks. If I really wanted to get like, uh, you know, some of the, the lower seats, I don't know, maybe a hundred or something, but yeah, I, I wouldn't pay more than, I think my limit in paying tickets, if it was somebody that like my wife was dying to see, I would think I maybe would pay 300 a ticket. That's probably my limit. 300 for good seats yeah. and the right artists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've been on this concert run lately. We did we did Backstreet Boys. Um, didn't have to pay for those tickets. Thank you. Uh, but they weren't cheap. And we did the Molly Crew, Poison Def Leppard, Joan Jett. Um, I was going to pay for those tickets. We had a listener that had three tickets that he was selling and it was pretty fair price and they're good seats. 
but I waited too long to pull the trigger. It was the day that I got back to him. He said he just sold them. And, oh. but he was, he was, he was going to charge me $500 flat fee for three tickets on the floor. They're pretty good. I thought that was, that was pretty fair. That was, that was, that was a good deal right there. Yeah. Um, instead we got free tickets from one of our listeners and Rachel's clients that used her to sell his house for my birthday. He had tickets from the original date back in 2020 before it got postponed for, for COVID and he just couldn't go. And he gave us the tickets and because I'm a seat snob, I was like, I don't know. I want to sit in these seats. I was like, you know, these are expensive for the 200 section. I was like, Jesus Christ. But when we got there, I was so thankful we sat there because we had kind of a, an overhang. So we were shielded from the sun. We were close to the, the inside part of, uh, of truest, you know, where you could go in and out of the bathroom and the bars. And I mean, they were like the perfect seats. I was so happy with those seats. I was like, why have I been a ticket snob this whole time? These are 10 times better than sitting down there. Are you kidding me? Plus it's about to rain. This is great. You know, um, we're, we're going to see Jack Johnson, I think next month. And this is another thing is like, so, We've gone to see him before. We saw him at Lakewood a couple years ago. And I got those tickets for free. And so I didn't know how much they were. But we were four rows from the stage. And Jack Johnson's a great concert. If you're into that type of music, it's just it's a very chill. Rach loves Jack Johnson. It's like her favorite artist. So we found out he's coming back. Instead of buying, like, the seats close to the stage were like a couple hundred bucks a piece. We bought Jack Johnson, Dave Matthews kind of one of those bands where you want to sit on the lawn. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to see them really. And you usually have big screens, but yeah, it's just kind of a, a hangout vibe, talking with your friends, having some drinks and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think the lawn is the, probably the way to go there. Yeah. And, and he's going to be at um, Ameris bank. So right up the street and I guess you can rent lawn chairs. Yeah. Yeah, they have the the rental chairs now and towards the the back right in that um, shipping container. Oh, well, cool. So we rented lawn chairs, and we're just going to sit on the lawn. We got a little spot on. Like, this is perfect. This is great. Uh, and then for my birthday, Rach got me box seats for the Killers. And that's Ooh. in, I think, September. And now we're talking, you know, in a box, a bathroom. And I know. Is that at Truist or? No, they're at State Farm. Box is there? That's the one inside, right? Didn't they change it? Does it change to something else now? No. State it's, Farm? Well, it used to be Phillips. Now it's State Farm. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This is, you know, a little box, you know, little boxes you sit in. You know. That's good. where they do the basketball games, right? Yeah. That's where they do the Hawks games. Correct. Yes. Okay, Very cool. good. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Georgia right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Born and raised. <laughs> Changing the damn names. <laughs> but to, I, I guess, you know, we're expected to pay higher prices because of inflation. You know, and, and it's it's such a weird world that we live in right now because people are still leaving their jobs. The, this great resignation is still going on. They're actually predicting going into next year it was like a ridiculous, it was like 20, 30, 40% of the workforce is going to be leaving their current situation. And we still see this in a lot of businesses where they don't have enough help and the help that they do have, they're desperate because maybe they're not that good, but they can't fire them. Like you're bulletproof if you have a job and you're willing to stay there. 
and, you know, and work for the money that they're paying you. It's a really wonky time in our lives. It's almost scary to what it's going to bring because everybody wants to be independent. Everybody wants to be able to scream from the mountaintops their beliefs, and they want you to believe in what they believe in. They want to work on their own time, and they want to make their own money. They want to live and die by their own sword. You know, there's a lot of that that I agree with. I, I really do, and I envy, and I'm actually doing it now. So I'm finally, after all these years of going, I wonder what it would be like to, to do that. I'm doing it. It ain't easy. This <laughs> shit is hard, you know, versus picking up a paycheck every two weeks, you know, but mm-hmm. the pressure is not there. I will tell you that, you know, you don't. Have, in our situation, we don't have to sweat over ratings every month when they come out like our, you know, past job. And the guys that are there now should be sweating their ass off because 16th, 17th and 22nd place is not a good spot to be in, especially after you got rid of the the creative from the show, <laughs> you were supposed to. Yeah. It was supposed to help your radio station. You dumb fucks, not not make it worse. <laughs> after eight or nine months of of falling ratings, you kind of have to take a step back and go, okay, maybe we made a mistake and fired the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's supposed to. You know, I've been in situations where I've left and they brought in somebody else and the ratings have gone up. That's the way that it's supposed to go, right? Uh, yeah. But if they don't go up, then the person that fired the person should be held responsible because they were feeding the higher-ups a bunch of bullshit, 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 bullshit. And now they're going, well, maybe they weren't telling me the complete truth here. Maybe maybe there's <laughs> something that's a little bit off. Uh, but, you know, for us to be expected to pay these prices, everything is going up. You go to the grocery store. You can't get out of the grocery store spending less than a hundred bucks. I mean, just on a, a normal grocery run. I mean, if you got to go in there for toothpaste, obviously, it's very difficult. Gas, although gas is coming down, I saw it for three eighty four, which is still fucking high. But you get excited, right? Because it's not four ninety five. Yeah. Well, you don't have this problem, Nate. So you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the only gas I have is after I ate a bean burrito. <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor Brandon, you know, with his company, he's got trucks and equipment that he's got to put fuel in. And he drives, yeah. all, he drives all over the state. What's your gas bill a month for your business? Uh, a month? I don't know, but we're running about, well, I guess I could do the math. I guess we're running about 30 bucks a day in gas, depending on where we're going. So that's 150 a week, oh. 600 a month. Oh, that's not bad. I thought it was a lot worse than that. That's pretty good. Well, that's, just, that's just for one truck. You know, I got my car also that I use for work. Yeah, but I thought you yeah. don't, don't you have like bobcats and equipment and stuff? Yeah, we got the ditch witch, but that thing's actually surprisingly good on fuel. It's got 70 hours on it. I've only filled it up three times, but that does take diesel. It's like five gallon tank. Can you put a license plate on it? I don't think so. No. Is it street ready? It's very slow. <laughs> Gas prices are so bad. Brandon's driving around a ditch witch. Yeah, a ditch witch. You know, it makes you wonder what, uh, like, you know, with the inflation or whatnot, um, how much of it is actually inflation? How much of it is people taking advantage of the situation? Like maybe the concert tickets, maybe they're just seeing like, hey, we lost a bunch of money over the last two years. Maybe we should just jack up the like they don't need to jack up the prices, but they just do it because they can. Because like I mean, just in also with gas, like when I was in between Mexico, well, when I was in Mexico City, my forty minute Uber was like seven dollars, and between Mexico City and uh, Cabo, we took eighteen Uber rides. 
And my total for all 18 of those was $74. And Damn. the gas is, yeah, and, and gas in, in Mexico is still, I mean, they, they do liters, but, like, if you convert it to gallons, it's still 4 or $5 a gallon. So it's it's not any cheaper. Um, so why is it so much, why are companies charging so much more? I think they're just trying to make up for the money that they lost over the last few years. I think there's some truth to that. Um, there are some companies, uh, gas stations, that are charging what they want to charge at a low rate, like even a dollar sixty-six. And the theory is, is they're going to go for volume. Um, there's an old friend of mine, I think yours too, that owns a barbecue place in Apopka, Florida, and he made the news. Because he went back to his original pricing. He's got a fan base. I mean, when when he opened up Porky's, um, like the radio station and and, and him and, and the, the business were were to, in it together. That real radio, that radio station helped build that man's business. And in return, he was always very gracious. And he's a very, very nice man. And uh, And he had to raise his prices. And he saw his clientele drop off. And so he made a, he said, I'm going to lose money, but I'm going to gain, hopefully I'll get the money back by gaining more customers. And he has, you know, I mean, we're talking 50 cents, a dollar, you know, a plate or something like that. But, you know, that, that was his mindset. And you can do that too. People can do that. You can fight the inflation by taking a chance and saying, hey, I'm going to lose the money, um, but hopefully I'll, I'll make money with volume. You got to hear this, yeah. Nate. Uh, Brandon's changed his voicemail message for his oh, company, buddy. and he's got he's got a chick that does. don't pick up your phone, Brandon. Listen, to this. <laughs> hello. Hello. Thank you for contacting VT Backflows and Irrigation, home of the Superior Sprinkler System. We're very sorry we missed your call. If you would leave your name and the reason for your call, we will get back to you as soon as possible. You can also text us. We like 40 okay. minutes oh, with yeah. you. Thank you. Sorry, I didn't know if you wanted the number out there. I guess you did since it's your business. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> it's like, damn it, it was a free commercial. I lost it. <laughs> Sorry, friend. <laughs> I can call back here. Hold on, let me call back. I feel bad now. <laughs> Thank you for contacting BT Backflows and Irrigation, home of the Superior Sprinkler System. We're very sorry we missed your call. If you would leave your name and the reason for your call, we will get back to you as soon as possible. You can also text us. We look forward to doing business with you. Thank you. Oh, just there's no number. You just text the number I just called. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, yeah I guess they wouldn't. Yeah, you probably wouldn't say the number on the number you're calling. Yeah, but I say you're already calling the number. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, who, who's the girl? So go to our website. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> Does that girl have a lisp? Uh, I don't it's, think so. It's August's sister. No, it's August's cousin. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. I know, it's a little jumbled at the beginning. It was not the connection. That's just how it's recorded. They come yeah, out, I think I need to record on something else because my phone speaker's pretty terrible. And it won't let you record on like a professional mic and then load it into the voicemail, which sucks. Is it is that Google voice number? No, it's just my regular phone number. Uh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> Hello, sir. Welcome to Beat Things. <laughs> 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 it's not there in that thing. It's a content. They give you a message or even text us if you want to. <laughs> Thank you for calling. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> uh, have you guys seen anything outside of gas that sticks out that's uh, more expensive? PVC pipe. 
Damn right. That's what I was going to say. You, cut, you it's, took mine. <laughs> it's twice as expensive as it was. So last March, it was like, I think like $5 for a 20-foot stick of one inch. And now it's like hitting 10, Yeah, which is terrible. Doubled. It's like stuff hasn't even gone up just a little bit. It's doubled. Yeah. Uh, we, we were out buying uh, plastic tubs, storage tubs. Uh, for the my core caddy stuff this week out at the tennis tournament, and I I did I just knew that they were expen that they were pricier. I didn't realize it, Rachel throws a fit in the middle of Home Depot. She's like, "We're not paying sixty two dollars for this. This was thirty one dollars just three months ago. This is bullshit." I'm like, "Okay, well, I need four of them. It's going to be expensive. We're not paying close to three hundred dollars for three. It's like, what do you want me to do?" We're going to find them somewhere else. This is what we're going to do. I'm like, okay, babe, I'm with you, whatever. She was like really pissed off that these damn storage tubs are, and now she wants to make sure that rats can't get in them because of her rat problem. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, can rats chew through this plastic? (laughs) Adamant about that. Uh, So that was probably the one that stood out. You know, the the food prices, I guess you don't really see because nobody – I mean, very few people kind of go, oh, well, I pay this for milk and this and this and that. So I, I don't, I, I know it's at the grocery store, but I guess I just don't see it. Dip has gone up um, like another 15 cents, which kind of sucks. I mean, now it's, we're in the state of Georgia, we're over five bucks. Somebody's telling me cigarettes are like $7 a box now. I don't know. I don't smoke, but that seems expensive. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's weird that, like, gas is the only thing anyone really pays attention to. Cause, yeah, the, like, food has probably gone up and other things, but you don't really track it like you do with gas, so you don't really have anything. You're, Milk was $1.79 last week, and now it's $1.78 or, uh, uh, you know, $3 or whatever. And, it, yeah, it's not something that you track really. But then people will, will splurge on other things like it's no big deal. Well, I just don't know where everybody's getting the money. If nobody has jobs, like, nobody's... Everybody has jobs. They just... Do something else. I think we, what was it? There was some, I don't know how many, but there's been like a million jobs created in like the last two years or something like that. But, but I think it's because they've left other jobs and then did other jobs. So now there's new jobs because people are buying houses, right? I mean, people have all this money to pay all the, all these inflated prices for houses. So people have money. It seems like. Well, this house run was a little bit different. This was a big investor house run, uh, like cash, cash, cash investors. Uh, what's interesting, though, is a couple of Rach's clients are from out of the country, Russia to be uh, exact, and she can't get a hold of them. <laughs> like, we don't know where they're at. <laughs> like, I don't know. So better take down your stand with Ukraine flag. You guys are taking that <laughs> Russian money. <laughs> but I, we don't know if they're from Ukraine or Russia. So we don't know what happened to them. So it's like one or the other, right? It's either they went back to fight for for Ukraine or they went back went back because they were afraid the United States was going to take their money because they're, what are they, oligarchs? Obl- oligarchs? Obl- oh, yeah. What are they Oligarchs. Oh, yeah, yeah they're, they're freezing their accounts probably. Probably, yeah. Uh, see, gas prices alone are up a whopping 58.1% over the past year, and that's just to get to where you're going. Uh, and then businesses want you back in, in, in the office too. But nobody wants to give you a raise. That's the other thing is that no one wants to give you a raise. Actually, there have been a lot of firings lately. 
You know, this is, and there's going to be a lot more before the end of the year. You know, I know in, in radio, one of the big companies had a, had a, had a good size layoff of people. Um, our former employer uh, let go of, uh, of a handful of people. And those firings are not done, from what I understand. They've got come, some coming uh, here sooner than later. From museums to theme parks, concerts, sporting events, the price of admission is rising nearly across the board. Uh, that's kind of obvious, right? We kinda... Oh, car prices, too, like new cars. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. MSRP on those are like 30000 over. Especially on like the sports cars, the Corvettes, I know they're like, I mean, as soon as they get one at a dealership anywhere in the country, someone's buying it within like 20 minutes and then they'll resell it for like 60, 70 grand more. That's why it's interesting because it's, it's a supply and demand where you, outside of everything being inflated price wise, they're hard, it's hard to find a lot of things. So when you do find it, you feel like you need to buy it and pay whatever price they're asking because if you don't get it right then and there, you're not going to be able to get it. It's a very scary time. I mean, th- this is something to be worried about. This isn't something to sit there and go, okay, well, this will pass. It's, everything's going to be fine. This is a very, very scary time in our country. I mean, we're, we live in the United States of America where no one should go without anything. And I mean, and then that goes even deeper to people shouldn't be homeless in this company, or this, this, this country. People shouldn't be... Uh, without money in hand. and Poverty should not exist in this country. It just should not. Um, but there's some people that, that, that want it. I mean, they, there's nothing you can do about it. But those, those families that work their ass off and do 60, 70, 80 hours a week, you know, those people should not be living in poverty. And I think in this country, it's like under, like you can make 40000 or $30,000 for a family of four and you're in poverty. Because I mean, you can't live off that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, uh, I grew up always thinking if I had two thousand dollars to my name a month, I would be rich. That's what I was always told. Uh, I guess that was true in 1982. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, inflation uh, and supply and demand was not explained to me until my later years in life. <laughs> Overall, the cost of eating out rose six percent over the last year. Also, the highest jump since 1982. That's why I don't like to go eat out. I dropped over $200 on dinner the other night downtown for four people at that sugar factory Jeez. place. And we had burgers. Damn, $50 yeah. burgers. It adds up. Yeah, I know this is obviously a little inflated because it was an airport, but when we were at the uh, Phoenix airport in a layover, found this brewery that was in the airport, and we were going to go in there, and I looked at the menu. It was Seventeen ninety nine for an appetizer of wings, twenty fucking dollars just for an appetizer. And then I saw a family of like eight in there. This, this Indian guy with his whole family. I'm like, oh, buddy, I hope you have a good job because you're you're about to drop five hundred dollars. <laughs> the average resale price of an NFL ticket, for example, rose to two hundred thirty seven dollars from one hundred ninety eight dollars. That's absurd. Like you, yeah. sh- sporting events bother me when ticket prices or that you don't have access to cheap ticket prices because yeah. that that's an opportunity for a family to go and spend some family time with each other, quality time and watch their, their sporting team. You know, that you can't pay $240 a person. If you have a family of four, just for a ticket to a game, I mean, you're, you're at a thousand bucks. 
Just yeah. for tickets. And that's why, especially these types of like non tangible items that I think these companies are just fucking price gouging. I think they, like I said, they're, they've all lost money over the last few years where they couldn't have events and they're just jacking up prices to make it up. And that's really why a lot of these people, you know, a lot of these companies, they say, oh, they can't find work. I don't feel bad for them because they've treated them like shit for the last however many years. And then nobody wants to work for them. And now, like you were saying, people want to make their own money or work for themselves or have a side hustle or whatever. They're doing all these things because these companies are treating people so bad these days. They, there's no gold watch anymore. The Amer- you're talking about the American dream. Yeah, there, there's a lot of truth to that. The article, that article I was talking about before, they, they talk about that, how companies are not loyal uh, as to employees that, you know, I grew up being taught that, you know, you go, to, you go to high school, you go to college, you get a job, and you work there the rest of your life, and you're loyal. Um, and I tried to do that, and then I saw how unloyal big companies can be. Now, that's one side of the story. There's another side of the story, too, where, you know, there's three sides to every story. There's my side, there's your side, then there's the truth, right? So it's not that every person that has had a problem with their boss or their company, it's always the boss or the company's fault. But no, the, yeah. the, the loyalty factor is definitely there. You know, I mean, unless you're willing, to, I mean, you've got to be the biggest kiss-ass, you know, jizz-drizzling, gug-suggler, whatever, you know, to, to be, I mean, there's certain people that have that, that can, that can fit that mold. I've never been one of those guys. I would love to have worked for the same company my entire career. And maybe I possibly could have, to be honest with you. I left iHeart, you know, after 17 years, that was my decision because I was unhappy with my career at that time in that company. I felt like it was not going anywhere. And I decided to go work for Cumulus and I had a great nine year eight year, whatever run with that company. You know, I, I made a name for myself in a big market. I made a good amount of money. And, uh, I, I more, most importantly, I did some really cool stuff on the radio, you know, probably some of the best work that I've ever done in, in my career, to be honest with you. But then it gets to a point where you're like your industry, what's happening to your industry. You're watching it sink. Do you just want to hope that you're going to always get a paycheck and, 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 you know, I, I love radio. I love the radio industry. I'd go back to the radio industry if for the right situation. But it's just, there doesn't seem to be the right situation that I've found yet. Everybody's scared. Everybody's living in fear. You know, I see in a lot of situations, the wrong people are in control. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to work for that person. Because you know that their your best interest is not their best interest. Their best interest is them, you know, and unless you're playing by the rule, you know, not by the rules, but unless you're kissing the right ass, then, you know, you're donezo, you know, so why waste your time? Uplift your family, move, you know, whatever. Yeah, you just like, I mean, I'm sure it's in other industries too, but like in radio, it's like you can't cut talent and and cut corners here and there and expect to succeed. You got to invest in your employees, whatever, you know, type of business you are and and be loyal to them and they're going to be loyal back to you. But when you constantly fuck people over and then you wonder why, why you're, uh, your listeners or your sales or whatever it is have gone down. I mean, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Don't cry to me that nobody wants to work when you treat them like garbage. I was talking to Rach about that the other day. I said, I wonder what our lives would be like if, if I, I'd stayed in Orlando because I love Orlando mm-hmm. and I, my, my goal was to stay there my entire career. 
I just love the city. I love the people. I, uh, you know, the ra- I love the radio station. And if it weren't for a handful of things that happened, uh, I wouldn't have left. And she says, it was the best move you could have made. And I said, I'm doing a podcast in our basement. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, no, you're doing a successful podcast, which makes you happy in your studio, in our house that just happens to at one time be a basement. I said, okay, I like this. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) She goes, you would not have the podcast right now. She goes, you would have not, you would have never met Brandon, uh, which is maybe not a bad thing. You would have never met Nikki D. You would have never met uh, Brandy and, and Lindsay and all the people on our network and Jill and, and you never probably would have gotten back into tennis. You wouldn't have met your tennis buddies. Wouldn't be hosting the t- the tennis tournament, uh, the big ATP 250 that we have here this week. Wouldn't be doing that. You know, so there's a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have had. But then you go, well, what would I have had? But when I was in Orlando, even for 17 years, I don't know if I had that many. I, I had more opportunities in Atlanta in, in the last eight or nine years than I think I ever had in Orlando. You know, it was like there was people that, were the go-tos and I was not one of them. Uh, and that's what bothered me. So yeah. So I don't know. Play the what if yeah. thing to go crazy. Yeah. Even like the sponsor, you know, like the sponsors of the podcast, we wouldn't have met all these fine people. And you know, in Orlando, maybe we would have, maybe we wouldn't, but I mean, these, these ones stuck with us after radio and you know, what Orlando connections stuck with us after Orlando? N- not a ton. I don't think. Yeah, some of them, but not a ton. You're right. Yeah, not a ton. Out of sight, out of mind. I don't know. Rach, yeah. thinks, Rach thinks I'm crazy lately. She's just telling me I'm nuts. Some of the things that I'm doing. It, it was after I shot that fucking rat in the middle of the head. I don't know. She's just different. She looks at me different now. You know, there's, yeah. that, there's that hot, I'm attracted to you. You know, you're just this this adventurous guy. You know, you're a hunter. You're, you're a caveman. Take me. Yeah. Take, take my body. Yeah. And then, she, then there's this <laughs> other side where she's just like, you're talking crazy. You're talking crazy right now. You're talking. I ordered a. <laughs> she thinks I ordered a um, tactical vest. I've been wanting one for a long time. You know, and bulletproof. Fishing? No, no, not bullet. Well, it does actually. You can put a piece of Kevlar on the side uh, if somebody wants to hit you with a knife, but it has to be in that one spot. <laughs> let, me get, let me get to my guarded side. Let me turn real quick. Yeah, yeah. hang on. Stab me. <laughs> well, the, 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 picture on, the picture on Amazon, it said, for Kevlar, a knife guard, you know, so it had a little spot for it. So, yeah, if, like somebody's going to hit your knife, you got to turn to the side. But it's got, it's got all kinds of things in it. Like, you know, you put your bullets, got a holster, you, know, you put your uh, flashlight. I ordered flashlights. I ordered a compass. Um it, it, in the vest, in the back, like like the part that goes on your body, there's this netting where you can put iPads and I mean you can load it up. You can put it, like you can live out of this vest. I got I bought a new knife and it's got paracord wrapped around the handle and it's got a piece of flint in it that you can remove to start a fire and you can do it on the knife. It's pretty cool, you know. I don't know. Man, I think what are you becoming like a Rachel, bounty hunter? Yeah, I was say I think Rachel might be onto something here. <laughs> no, I've just always wanted one. I mean, it was like thirty eight dollars on Amazon. It was badass, and on the back, it's got the the Velcro where you can rip it off and put like FBI on it if you want. I'm gonna put Dad, 
Um, <laughs> the price of gas is crazy right now. So I bought a ghillie suit online. <laughs> Other things I don't need. <laughs> so here, here's how I substitute my shopping if I want to go shopping. So instead of going out and purchasing things just for no reason that I, that I have a tendency to do, I'll buy things on Amazon and it'll satisfy me. I mean, I can spend $38 on it, but it's important. I think everybody should have a, a bug out vest. You know, I mean, if I've got, you know, we live in a crazy world. You never know what's going to happen. If I got a bug out, I'm just grab my vest and I'm gone. And I'll have Amy, you know, like 50% of this country thinks that we're getting ready to go into a civil war. That's a huge, <laughs> that's a huge number. And you know what? I don't know if I disagree with them, to be honest with you. I mean, there's some fucking crazy people out there that refuse to play by the rules. And if, if, if shit goes crazy, the government is not going to be able to handle it. You know, everybody's just going to go nuts and we're going to go haywire. And I'm out of here, you know, coming to stay with you in Mexico, but I'm wearing my vest. <laughs> it seems like one of those things that's not going to help you. By the time you need it, you're not going to have it on unless you're wearing it all the time. Well, no, I ha- I have it in a special. Hang on, intruder. Let me put my vest on. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's not for the intruder. It's for the bug out. That's what it's for. Somebody right now is going, Bale, that was a good move. It's for the bug out. It's for like, all right, everybody, you get some clothes, pack some food. I'm getting my vest. Get the dogs. Get in the truck. We're heading to the cabin. Out in five minutes. The yeah, what, mob is what, coming. What, do you, what, it's, what is it for, though? Like, what is the threat that that would be effective against? Oh, anything. I mean, I can fight off an entire army. I've got bullets and compass and <laughs> flint and knives. Just coming comments. from the south. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, I thought you'd be all into this. You're like, yeah, Bailey, that's what I'm talking about. Well, I'd like it a little better if there's, you know, more bulletproof protection except for just your left hip or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> I only bought the liver protection. Is that okay? <laughs> I, had, I had $38 in Discover Bucks to spend, and that's all I could afford. <laughs> <laughs> does, it, does it have a, it doesn't have a spot for insert though at top? Like for put Kevlar? Like plate, put, yeah, put like a plate in there. No, it's not a bulletproof vest. It's a it's a it's a tactical vest, like for fishing. It's kind of a fishing vest, but it's black and it's got a holster. You know, it's really cool. I'll but what does it do? So it just has like slots and stuff, yeah, like slots and like little pockets and everything. It's, it's a like bunch the cargo of, shorts of vests. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's the cargo <laughs> shorts of vests. It's it's got pockets for days. <laughs> it's got secret pockets, sneaky pockets. It's got pockets and pockets. It's got tons of pockets. <laughs> like there's nothing that I can't put in this vest if I need to survive. I mean, I can put food in there. I can put batteries. I can put like I got everything in this vest. This thing is yeah, cool. I got, I got a clip and a string cheese. <laughs> I got non-perishables. I got cans of beanie weenies. <laughs> all kinds of shit. <laughs> and I look cool in it too, man. I look badass. Like I put it what on. It, what, co- what color is it? Like camo or no, is it gray? Like, what does it look like? It's black. Black. Ooh, it's yeah. going to be hot. Yeah. Well, I'm not worried about being hot. I'm just worried about surviving. I'm a survivor. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if I got you a tactical vest, Brandon, you'd be pr- appreciative. You'd like it. Yeah, yeah. I've actually been thinking about getting a bulletproof vest that you put under your clothes. Not tactical, you know, but one of the ones you wear underneath like a, a shirt. Mm-hmm. Do you go to places where people are shooting off at you often? Yeah, yeah like Walmart and stuff. You know, they're getting dangerous. <laughs> like Walmart. 
<laughs> or literally, literally anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Gas station. <laughs> where, where, where in Atlanta are you going to get shot? Oh yeah. Everywhere. Sorry. You're right. Correct. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't you hold a door open for somebody. You don't say thank you. You're done. You know, it's funny because, you know, we say that and there's a lot of truth to it because you see the news stories and, and Atlanta's getting horrible. I mean, gas station, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, and, and not all these are kind of like when we talk about stories in Mexico where they're cartel versus cartel. Like these are innocent bystanders getting shot and killed for no reason. Uh, there was one that happened just the other week. It was a kid in, in Gwinnett who just got shot. Just, you know, like didn't, doing anything. I saw the story in Atlanta where the the subway worker got shot because uh, there's too much mayo on, her, on the sub that she'd made. It, it, crazy people are going absolutely out of their brains uh, they're, they're going nuts but then the other side of it is like okay it's not going to happen to you you know you're 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 overthinking it you're paranoid and and rach part of what she does and does so well in the real estate business is she's the lead agent for this uh organization the the west side future fund which is i think i'm getting this right it's a spinoff from what she was doing with the Atlanta Police Department uh, and the, the Neighborhood Initiative Program. So there's people that have Atlanta legacy that were born and raised here that want to come back, and they put them in these houses in what is a tr- historically a bad part of town. Not always used to be that way, but has become a very, very bad part of town. And the city is buying up. Arthur Blank has a lot to do with this because he's a fantastic human being. They're buying up these dilapidated houses, these drug houses, these these prostitute houses. And they have a builder that goes in and just does a really good job and creates this, not the biggest of houses, but it's very small. And for a first house and somebody that is not making a lot of money, there's already, there's already equity in there. And they're trying to get... New new blood, old blood, new blood back in these communities and get the, the bad element out. Where the bad element goes, I don't know. But they want him to get out because this is close to Mercedes-Benz Stadium and State Farm. And this is where tourists come in downtown Atlanta um, to the park and all that kind of stuff. She goes down to this area. And I've been down with her a couple. I wish I could go down with her every time because I don't feel like it's safe. And there is like a row of these houses and they're all new builds except for one. And there are these two guys out on the porch the other day. And I mean, if you were just a judge, that part of town, you walk by what you've heard about the house, what you know about the house, you can assume that these aren't great guys. And I pull my truck up and I park it almost directly right in front of the house. And I'm like, oh shit. You know, my first thought is, shit you know so make sure you got your gun on you like that's my first time i get out of my truck and these guys were like the nicest guys in the world and they're just like hey how you doing today and i'm like i'm great how are you I'm like it's hot man it's hot but uh, i think we're gonna just very cordial very nice <laughs> and, and then you go over and i'm talking to some of the people uh and they're like yeah we're trying to get that house it's a drug house there's prostitutes and there's a, there's a, some shootings the other night or something like that and i'm like those are the sweetest guys in the world. I just met them. <laughs> They're like the nicest guys. So I don't know. You think prostitute prices are going up? Damn, condoms are getting expensive. You know, sorry, I'm going to have to charge you extra $10. <laughs> mm, I don't know. That's a great question. Brandon, do you know any prostitutes in Noonan, Georgia? Uh, no, I do not believe so. I knew one girl, but I think she got out of it. Mm-hmm. But you can get a hold of them. You know how to get a hold of one. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's his voice message girl. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's some research before next show. I can't, I'm not going to remind you, so this is your only reminder, okay? Find a prostitute and ask if prices have gone up. That's all you got to do. I'm just going to be like an undercover cop. I'm going to go to jail. (laughs) You're not going to go to jail. You're doing research. You're not buying them. You're just asking if their prices have gone up. You're doing a little. And if you get them on the show, that'd be even better. Yeah, just go to Craigslist or something. You know, back in the day, it used to only be three roses. Now it's three roses and a diamond. (laughs) (laughs) These prices are skyrocketing. (laughs) That's fantastic. All right, uh, Brandon, you got your one question? Yes. All right, here we go. One question with Brandon. Let's go, Brandon! Let's go, Brandon! I feel, hold on, before you talk about Sparky's Lawn Service, um, I feel like I need to say this again. The the Let's Go Brandon chant in the in the in the intro is has nothing to do with us making a political statement by no stretch of the imagination. It's just his name is Brandon. And it's funny. Okay, that's it. I mean, yeah. I, I actually had somebody reach out and said, hey, man, uh, I think I'm going to unsubscribe to the podcast because of when you do one question with Brandon and, and they're, they're obviously it offends them. And I'm like, OK, well, just please understand, I'm not trying to offend anyone with the intro. It was just funny because Brandon's name is Brandon. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know it's different because it's audible, but Brandon is D.E.N., and I think the chant that other people may have heard is D-O-N. So our chant is D-E-N. It's yes, totally different. That is correct. I, I went, and when I got the chant, I searched for D-E-N, let's go Brandon chant, and that's what came up. Thank you, Nate. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yep. All right, Brandon, go ahead. One question. Ow, I just cut my finger. I bet Sparky's Lawn Service would have a Band-Aid and take care of me. He'll also, <laughs> while he's there, do your mowing, your trimming, your edging, veteran-owned since, yep, you know, 2020, pandemic times. It was tough. He said, I'm going to start mowing lawns. Give Sparky's Lawn Service a call at 706-897-2199 or sparkyslawn at gmail.com. Good old Andrew Sparks. There you go. Also, talk about his new logo, the Top Gun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Top That's Gun good. theme. He, he and Chef Eric and Nicole Day. They, uh, I think because of when I send out the newsletter, I have an image with all of our sponsors trying to get new sponsors, more sponsors, you know, and it says, Hey, if you can refer somebody and they sign up, I'll give you, you know, kickback or cash or whatever the case may be. And a couple of our sponsors like Sparky's and Erica, uh, chef Erica, they didn't have logo logos. So I just went to their wherever and I took a screenshot of, cause I wanted to include them in on it. They're like, well, fuck that. I'm getting me a logo. So Sparky's Lawn Service got me. He's like, Top Gun's a big movie. I'm going Top Gun logo. (laughs) And Chef Erica did the same thing. All right, what's your one question? All right, it's funny you're talking about tactical vests because my one question is, what would you do in the first week of a zombie apocalypse? That's easy. I'd put on my tactical vest. (laughs) I mean, like the steps. Like, what would you do? You stay at your house. You go leave the house. You leave the city. You find food. You go start shooting zombies. What's your, what's your game plan if shit just hits the fan Well, the zombies? I'd try to avoid shooting zombies to save my bullets, but I, I would, it's what I was just talking about. Like, you, you got to have a bug out plan, right? So you, you, you can't, you know, can't stay in where, I could stay in the house. I've, you know, I've got a cabin up in the mountains, so that's the perfect place to go. You know, Red Dawn the situation, even though it's a luxury cabin. So I would I would get my vest, I'd get the, the gear, and everybody would have a job. My wife, you know, my daughter, I'd say, get some clothes, you know, cold and, and you know, for, for the different seasons, but just a few, get it one bag, throw it in there. We've got five minutes to get out of the house. 
and then put as much food, non-perishable food in, and we got tons of it just in the pantry. I mean, literally just got to go in trash bags, load it in the back of the truck and get the dogs and get out of here and haul ass up to, uh, up to the cabin. That's why I never in a vehicle, I've, I never am under a half a tank of gas. Always have a t- half a tank or more. In case you got to get out. Mm-hmm. That's a true story. What if, what, if the, what if the hill people don't accept you? They will because I'm part hill people now. I've been up there oh, okay. long enough. <laughs> <laughs> you that motherfucker is talking shit about Fannin County. <laughs> <laughs> what um? What are the, is it like Walking Dead style zombie rules? Yeah, basically? yeah. Yeah, okay. Walking Dead. Not the crazy fast ones like World War Z. Those things are yeah. scary. Yeah, I would... Watching The Walking Dead, I always didn't understand why people didn't go to an island, like go out to a little island off the coast of Florida or something. I don't think they could swim. I think they walk through the water. I don't think they're doing like miles, but like when they're in the wood, like going to the cabin, I don't think that's a good idea because they, they were in the woods in Georgia and they were always getting popped, popping up with uh, zombies just out of nowhere and biting them on the neck and shit. I'd get away from the zombies, but so I would probably go to Florida I'd commandeer somebody's boat. I'd bring some chickens and uh, I'd probably stop by Home Depot, get a bunch of seeds. And then I'd go off to a little island and just uh, set up camp there because I could eat eggs every day, I think. There was a season of The Walking Dead. Actually, the the second of the third of the last season, if that makes sense, started yeah. yesterday. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. But I got, I, I, I got, yeah, I, I got to finish it out. I got, <laughs> I got to see it through. Um, but they, there was an episode where they did go to the water. And I think that they, they, when they branched off, there was a community that lived on the beach by the water. So that part was protected. Um, and then they started using boat transport to transport different stuff from community to community. Um, but, yeah, find an island. Have a yeah, boat. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because most of The Walking Dead is they're just – killing off zombies and like how many zombie i mean eventually people have to be like the the communities around you they all have to be dead or gone or something so i think an island like a small island um in florida or something where there's not a lot of people so you could probably kill off the the hundred zombies uh pretty easily and then just make uh make a life there on the island i think that'd be the best place to be we never found out though how it all started did we maybe that's what the end will be like i mean there's all these zombies but that means they all had to either A, be infected, or B, be bit. And so if, like, was there just one zombie that started the whole thing? I mean, I, it can happen. I mean, we saw that with COVID, right? <laughs> started with one yeah. dude and the rest of the world got it. And I haven't watched it for seasons, but was it, weren't they, like, alluding to that, like, everybody already had it in them and it was... It was airborne, like, yeah. Or it was, yeah, or it was, like, something that was, like, dormant in their body somehow and then, and then it came out. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I mean, part of me still thinks that Rick's just going to wake up from a dream and it was all bullshit. Oh, he's still in the hospital? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for Rick to come back, you know. So, oh, yeah, that's right. He's still alive. Yeah, yeah you know, they, they just carried the him off on that helicopter, right? Yeah, the late, the chick took him on the helicopter, yeah. Remember the uh, farm season? When they're on the mm-hmm. farm? We did some work out there. We did uh, burying their pipes deeper and everything. Pretty cool out there, but they got they got like cameras and uh, recorders all over the property because they don't want you know people out there taking pictures and stuff. Oh uh, yeah, the house is yeah, and, cool. and that's what I don't understand is like in the show they always stayed in a place where zombies could be hidden or like 
sneak up on you. Go to, like I was saying, go to an island, go somewhere that's like flat plains or out in the desert or something where you can see them coming from a mile away. Why are you, are you staying in a place where you where they can hide and pop out? It's crazy. Or do do they can they survive in the cold? Like maybe yeah. somewhere else in the country. Like uh, in Alaska, that the zombies can't exist. Who knows? But that's what I, mean, I would do until I figured it out. That, that, that would be my plan. I think you're right there with the cold because, you know, they have to eat. They're, they're eating people to, to eat, right? Because they have to eat flesh and, and things like that. So in the cold, when there's not a lot of live things around, there's probably not a lot of zombies around. So, yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Go up to the Arctic. Yeah. Wow. Mexico. What? Mexican zombies. Hmm. What? <laughs> No, I mean, I think they did bring that up in the Walking Dead at one point. They're like, we're hoping the winter will kill a lot of them off, but yeah. I think it just made them slower. You got to be wor- you got to be careful what island you go to, though, you know, because there might be something just as dangerous on the island. There, there's an island. Um, where is it? It's the most dangerous place in the world. They say it's called Snake Island. Yeah. Uh huh. Have you heard of this? Yeah, there's like five snakes per square foot or something like that. Yeah, but they're all, they're all these certain types of vipers. And everywhere you walk, there's a viper. And and they tell the whole back, like I read the whole backstory of how, uh, you know, million gazillion years ago when it was shifting and then the water and then the snakes and then they just kind of all ended up on this island. And people, it's, it's off limits. You can't go there because it's too dangerous unless you're the government of whatever country it is or you're, you know, a scientist or biologist or whatever the case may be, and you know what you're doing. But there will be fishermen that unknowingly will stop off at the island for whatever reason. They'll find bodies on the island because literally as soon as you walk on the island, you're going to get fucking bit by a snake. I mean, how crazy is that? And they're vipers, you know, and these those vipers can be really small. You wouldn't even see them. They're just going to snap and grab you. Yeah, I'm looking, it's in Brazil. And it says it is, yeah, one, one snake every 10 square feet. And it says at one point there is 430,000 snakes on this little island. Oh, shit. <laughs> and they're all, they're all poisonous. They're all dangerous, venomous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're vipers. Yeah, no thanks. They're like yellow, <laughs> yellow something vipers. Like one of the most dangerous snakes in the world. And they're all on this fucking island. Do they, yeah, do they, think they go there to get the anti-venom maybe? Yeah. Ooh, maybe. Yeah, it's uh, golden, golden lancehead pit vipers. Yeah, golden lancehead. There was a there was a story in this article that said there was a, a they found a body of a fisherman that they think like his boat started to sink or something. He ended up on the island, and he his body was covered in like forty some snake bites. Oh my god! No thanks. Yeah, it says they eat birds. Mm-hmm. See the birds stop flying there. They wait for yeah. birds. They wait for birds to, to land on this island. And they just fucking yeah. eat them. It's also called No Bird Island. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I'm good with Snake Island. I appreciate it. Yeah. Brandon, what are you doing? Did you answer yet? Uh, see, I was thinking, you know, it's probably going to be real crazy and hectic the first few days. You probably want to barricade down, you know, hold down in your house while all the crazy calms down and oh, no. a lot of the people die out. Because I mean, you try to get on the interstate, man, you you might be fucked. I'll be bad trying to get through all the, I mean, unless you know the back roads up there, because you ain't going to have a GPS probably, or maybe for a few days, then all the shit starts going down. But I was, I was always thinking like our downtown area in Noonan's got like four streets to come in and the bus, the bus zone is like right around the corner where they park all the buses. I was thinking we can hijack the buses and then block off this one section, like in the downtown square and make like a little city there. 
and then you have all the storage you go in, and then you would probably need to get a helicopter. Probably the next thing I look for. Yeah, helicopter is a good idea. Yeah, you really thought about this. You and August probably talk about this a lot when you're high. Oh yeah, we used to do it all the time, like in the height of The Walking Dead, like season you know three, four ish. Because mm-hmm. we used to have like Walking Dead parties. Mm-hmm. We go over there and watch it, and we like talk about what we do. Yeah, that's scary. I, I I like stuff like that. If it happened, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I like I wouldn't be there sitting on my couch going, "I'm in such shock that this crazy shit is happening." You're like. Saw it coming a mile away. We should have known at least by the second season something like this was going to happen. All right, let's grab my vest. Let's get some food. Let's get out of here. We'll figure this shit out. You know, I mean, yeah. as, as a kid, you grow up, especially if you're a kid and you play Army. You know, I used to play Army all the time with my cousin, who then eventually went into the Army and became a paratrooper. Uh, and, and, you know, you would, these survival things. And when Red Dawn, the original, came out, I mean, that's the ultimate kid survival movie the Russian and the Cubans attack America and you have to fight for your own land and you're living in the mountains. You're living in the woods. I mean, it's, it's horrible because if it came true, that would be really, really bad, but it's like the coolest fucking kid survival movie out there. You know, every kid has thought about it. There's no doubt, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I could only see this happening. I mean, especially after the pandemic, there'd be, you know, it would happen to us because half of them be like, yeah, zombies are bullshit. Yeah, don't get that zombie vaccination. That's fucking bullshit, man. My my doctor told me full, full of stuff. You don't even know what it is. <laughs> that guy's just weird. I know he's chewing on another human being, but he's just fucking weird. You know what he is? He, he's one of those fucking climate changes guys. I know it is. It's, yep. he's, he's an actor. He's an actor. That's what he is. He's yeah, an yeah. actor. <laughs> he's a crisis actor. A cri- <laughs> if you look at some video of zombies like 10 years ago, he was in the same video. <laughs> All right. Uh, podcastthebs.com. That is our website. For those that subscribe, thank you. For those that don't subscribe, thank you for listening, but please subscribe. You get more episodes, you get exclusive giveaways, you get, uh, and I know I've kind of backed off talking about the um, uh, podcast and pours too, but I should have everything ready to go here in the next, I have to, I have to wait for an announcement of another event and then, and then we're, 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 we should be good to go uh, with that. But I will tell you that if you are a subscriber, you will be uh, will be giving out tickets almost on a weekly basis to subscribers. So, um, you know, it's just another perk of being a subscriber to the show. Uh, again, it's only four ninety nine a month. It helps out a great cause. It allows Nate to eat tacos in Mexico and Brandon to put gas in his car and uh and and me to buy tactical vests so <laughs> if you'd like to if you'd like to help out with those missions <laughs> podcastthebs.com the merch store is up there i did send a quick uh newsletter out thanks to the one guy that replied to the newsletter saying this is not a newsletter lol it was a newsletter it was just to let people know quickly that the merch store was having a flash sale i figured i'd let you guys know that's part of again being on my newsletter sign up is that I can let you know these things. So I can just send out a quick email and say 35% off. And then I just see every, I saw a lot of people go and buy stuff because people were like, you know, shipping is too expensive and this and that. I'm not going to disagree with you in any of that. If you can save 35% plus on some of the BS merch, then I just want to let you guys know. So I did that and sent that out there. All right, uh, Nate, you got anything before we get out? If you take your wife to Jack Johnson, that'll probably be happening to you later that night. Yeah, Jack and the Johnson. Uh, Brandon. 
Get ready for the apocalypse. Let me get ready. I am. I've got my tactical vest. All right. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. As always, have yourself a great, safe, fresh day. Hey, get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support podcastbs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.